Well, well, well. The president of the internet said you'd be coming this way. And, well, here you are. Who are you? Why don't you put your shotgun down, my friend? I'll be happy to tell you who I am. I'm Ray Heisinga from Groveland, Mass. This young lady here, Denise Link from Haverhill, neighboring town. Meet you. But our names don't actually matter anymore. What matters? What matters is what we do. And what we do? Hmm? We kill phone freaks. Yeah. Yeah, we kill them. Just like you. And with that, we start a brand new episode of Ian Hates Movies. My name is Ian. And I'm Kelly. Amazing, amazing Boston accents. Am um, I right? Those were wicked awesome accents. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I am very, very surprised that they did not say wicked a bunch of times. Right? Unless I just missed it. Am I? No, have I didn't. been? Okay. All right. <laughs> no, because I would have noted that. I was worried maybe I've lived here so long now that it doesn't even just register. It doesn't register. Yeah, that would, that would be scary. That would be very scary. So, yes, everyone, before I get all sad and depressed talking about this movie, <laughs> I did want to make a huge announcement. So, <clears throat> oh, weren't you supposed to send me like a drum roll sound effect or something? I have them all. You, you need those too. You got to make a list. You got to, I'm not just going to send you because one, you only have a gig on Dropbox anyway. Yeah, it's true. All right. Well, we'll, we will get to that. That's for sure. But yes, okay. here's, here's the announcement. So I'm reading this as, <clears throat> as, as official as I can. All right. Huge announcement for the show. Uh, a deal has been made with the people at Pokemon Go. Yes, Pokemon <laughs> Go. I have I have made a special I have made a special deal with them. It turns out that the more you listen to Ian hates shows, so right now, anyways, is Ian hates music and Ian hates movies. More coming soon, of course. We've talked about that. But for right now, the more you listen to them while playing Pokemon Go, the more rare Pokemon will show up wherever you're walking. So a special deal that I made with Pokemon Go. Kelly, what do you think about that? Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got? That's, That's all, all you right. got for that huge announcements for Ian Hates Movies? I hate that fucking game. <laughs> well, don't show your age right now. And then, it's well, the okay, greatest so thing ever. Also, um, there's been it's actually been in the news because they've been luring people to different areas and um, robbing them. So that's kind yes. of fun. I got to be honest, probably one of the funniest memes I've seen lately was the the weird ass van, like rapey van that has like spray painted on it uh, rare Mewtwo inside. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible, but so it, it's, but it's, it is yeah, very it's the funny. new candy truck. It's the new pervert in the candy truck. Yeah, awesome. Exactly. So I mean, hey, well, way to be creative. <laughs> way to be creative. Use technology, yeah. people. Horribly Speaking funny of. people. Yes. Yes, speaking of technology, I was thinking, and I did actually make a similar joke to someone recently, that the Pokemon Go thing was very similar to Cell, and if they ever wanted to make people crazy zombie-like creatures, you could just put a pulse through Pokemon Go, and you're all fucked. Well, we'd also be fucked, too, because everyone would be crazy and trying to not eat us, but kind of just beat us to death. Uh, sure. All right. Like, well, yeah, I... I it's like it's is a zombie, but not really. Like so, people get mad when you start that debate. They did it the same way when the book came out. So the book came out in two thousand six. So I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this for everybody. 
I've said this before on multiple episodes of the show. I am a huge Stephen King fan. Like one of the biggest. I will I have not read everything he's written because he writes a ton and it's almost impossible to read all of Stephen King's yeah. books. But I've read a fair number of them. Uh, all the big ones. He oh. said all the big ones. Oh, absolutely. Follow the Dark Tower. It stand. I mean, I, I keep on going, keep on going. Cell was a book that I enjoyed. Came out in 2006. It's like 350 pages. It's not a long book. You, oh, you yeah, can do it's this. an easy read. Right. And he did his own spin on the zombie thing. So technically, they're not zombies because they don't die and come back. There's no, there's none of that. They're not eating people. They don't bite people to turn them into new zombies like that's not how this stuff works okay well then so instead of saying zombies so is this almost like a virus movie yeah it's similar to a scene i wouldn't even say a 28 days later technically but because that's kind of where it felt more that that genre than like a like a straight up you know zombie movie well the thing you could say that is technically quote unquote scarier about this book or this movie for one thing is they are fast. You're not dealing with slow-moving creatures that you can get around or whatever. They are fast, and they just want to hurt you. So, in a way, <laughs> it is similar to a 28 Days Later. But if exactly. you get, but there's no infection. They're just going to kill you, which in some ways is probably better than what happened in 28 Days Later. Anyways, like yeah. for real, you probably didn't want anything to get on you, or like that's the worst. Though that movie, those two, well, that second movie is atrocious. But right. that that first movie. First movie is the scariest form of zombies you could ever have. Runners. <sighs> yeah, not only runners, but they're going to tear you apart. And even if you were, let's say you were quick enough to get away or something, if they scratch you, if somehow any saliva gets in you, like they're puking blood on you to infect you. And if it gets in any orifice, you're fucked. You're, you become right. one of them. Like it's awful. Right. At least with a regular zombie, you can put on your chain mail, you can put on your long sleeve clothing, and you can go out and have some fucking fun. But not with 28 Days Later type zombies. Uh, so this is similar in that way, but they are definitely not zombies. And really, in the book, they only touch on it for a second because basically everyone realizes it and just starts calling them phoners or phone crazies. That That's what they end up doing. So technically... It's not a zombie movie or book, but the movie is so poorly done, poorly <laughs> written, and there's no evolution of characters that it does seem like a zombie uh, thing, yeah. yeah. which is not what the point of the book was. I think my other issue with this is like they keep changing tactics because initially when this pulse goes through, it seems like it, it's almost like a lemmings thing or like if one person jumps off the edge, everyone jumps off the edge. Sure. So, but then later on, they're trying to recruit their numbers. Like they're not trying to kill. Like it's like they go from mass massively taking out everybody to killing off stragglers to, oh shit, now we should just recruit people to up our numbers. Well, like I'll why does it? I'll tell you this, in the book, it happens in a similar way, but there's an actual story behind it that makes sense. Right. In the movie, no... yeah, there is no continuous, there's no continuity, there is no nothing. So, and in case you didn't know it was the cell towers, every time they changed scenes, they'd show you a cell tower. It was infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they weren't even real cell towers, they were CGI <laughs> Which is even towers. worse because it's not like they're not everywhere anyway. Yeah, how would you not be able to... All right, before we go into this, right? we are talking about Cell. Cell actually came out about a month or so ago. 
it was uh, video on demand. And then this weekend, it got a limited release. So don't be surprised if you look around, you're like, wait a second, I can't see this movie. Yeah, first of all, I'm glad. That's <laughs> that's number one. Uh, the second is it is limited release. So yeah, so LA, New York. That's pretty much what that means. Yeah, pretty, and I, it's not surprising they didn't show it in Boston because they ripped everything technically about Boston except for those terrible accents. <laughs> later on but the whole the whole actual story took place in boston common originally and then had a whole thing of boston burning down like it was very well done Um, imagine that scene of basically anyone on a phone who was talking on the phone getting a pulse that turns you into a zombie-like creature imagine that all happening in bright daylight in downtown boston in the park area like it's a good idea i don't know maybe they couldn't afford it this definitely was not shot in boston that's where no that is that boston skyline is cgi'd in there one time it is green screen to fuck and the city isn't even burning even though people turned into zombie-like creatures and nothing happens to the city yeah so let's let's go ahead and i think this will be the worst reviewed movie we've ever done i think (laughs) because right now it's got a 4.4 out of 10 on imdb it has a 37 percent on metacritic which i am super surprised about i i think they paid the little bit of budget they had left (laughs) to have people fake that shit i i can't believe it but on Rotten Tomatoes, it is a clear 0%. Awesome. Yes. And this is a movie that technically did hit theaters. And, you know, the Roger Ebert website reviewed it and Variety reviewed it and a whole bunch of people reviewed it. I just, I'm I'm extremely shocked and disappointed <laughs> in, in this because I did like the book. And I was just, I was excited when they said, come on, John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson in another Stephen King adaptation, I was like, fuck yeah, they killed it in 1408. Exactly. Like, kind of literally almost killed it in 1408. Kelly, you also like 1408 as well, right? I do. So I just, I don't know where this went wrong. Also, John Cusack was the producer. He was like an executive producer of it. Yeah, but he was an executive producer for Hot Tub Time Machine too. No, no. Hot Tub Time Machine 1. Well, yeah. Hot Tub Time Machine 1 wasn't a terrible movie though. It was it was Oscar worthy compared to this. Well, no, yeah. <laughs> I just I just saying. But oh man, I I'm just uh I I want to talk like it hurts me to talk this way about Stephen King. But I but I have to tell some of the backstory about this too. Did you did you do any research on this one, Kelly? No, it's pretty much just like he read the book. I'm not going to. Yeah. It's probably it's it's not worth your time to do this research. But apparently this movie has been on the back burner for a while. Like it wasn't just shot months ago and put out. This was shot like a couple years ago maybe, somewhere around there. Like this was on the shelf for a while. Interesting. Yeah, it was something strange. And then also Eli Roth was supposed to be the director and part writer for this movie back in like 2007 2000 somewhere around there and i guess what he wanted to do was his vision was completely different he wanted to do one where basically he was showing the worldwide catastrophe of this happening which is not what the book goes into but it is it is different because that's not world war z either because world war z was atrociously done and didn't focus on the moment 
that everything happened. It focused on the aftermath right. of everything happening. So this would have been more of a disaster movie type deal following these characters, which is eh. But has it really? Which, yeah, that sucks though, because then it just shoved in with all the other crappy disaster movies. Like, but has it been done on that scale for a zombie type movie? Fifth Wave. No, that's not a zombie movie. No, I don't. I don't consider Fifth Wave a zombie movie whatsoever. Well, no, it's that's a virus movie. Well, see, that's just it though. Like, I don't, we don't really that's not a virus ca- movie either. What would you consider that? That is a oh, no, alien, alien movie. movie. Yeah, alien it's, it's movie. A, it's an alien invasion movie. Yeah, but it's still, it's still, it has that feel though. It still feels like it feels like one of those. Like it. Eh. I guess. I mean, by the way, I'm still I'm almost finished with the second book because I read like two pages a week. Uh, but I have no idea how they're going to make the second one into a movie. It's all children dying. It's it's <laughs> all children being brutally murdered and terrible things happening the entire time. I don't know how they do it. I don't, I don't know how they're going to make it into a well, movie. Well, they managed to fluff up the first one. I'm sure they'll figure out a way to make this all cushy too. I guess that's true. I guess now it really doesn't matter what the source material is because they'll just change the same way in cell they'll just change and i'll go through some of the some of the differences in this random but the (laughs) the the scary thing i wanted to mention too is that stephen king also helped adapt this screenplay and he changed the ending from the book because he said people complained about the book's ending so imagine that kelly you knowing what the ending to this movie is he changed that, and this supposedly is better. This ending tested better, is what you're saying. I I don't know how. I don't. The book's ending wasn't bad. In in my well, opinion. I mean, okay. So I don't know the ending of your of the book. And is I will. This gonna be, go into is it. this going to be equivalent to like Butterfly Effect? Because the original ending to Butterfly Effect is brilliant, but it didn't go over well, so they changed it to what it was. The original ending to Butterfly Effect was he basically strangled himself in the womb, right? Yeah, he aborts himself. Which is, I don't think possible, but I remember it. If you're I, self-aware. But how can he be self-aware? See, that, that's yeah, the but only that's thing. Just, yeah, but that's it, though. Because every time he went back, he still remembered everything else that happened. That's why he kept trying to change shit. That seems more of the, uh, like a storyline that the anti-abortion people would love to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in the butterfly effect. He does strangle himself at the end. He does strangle himself in right. the womb. And I remember seeing that deleted scene yeah. and being like, oh, that is a better ending right. than what they end up. Because what did they end up going with again? Um, He just, I think he goes back when he's like four years old when they first meet and he just says, we're not allowed to be friends and like walks away. And then he sees her like 20 years later and they just walk past each other on the street or something stupid. But technically she is in a much better place. By not oh, knowing yeah. him. Yeah, which is funny at least. <laughs> that's that's something. Uh, but yeah, and by the way, that movie wasn't terrible. No. That movie was dark. Like yeah. ridiculously dark. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't yeah. think people were expecting that. But that was a well thought out movie for most of it, I would yeah. say. But that I mean, there casting. was some... Go- I wouldn't have casted him. But... No, no. There were some goofy parts in it for sure. Maybe we should do that movie. Actually. <laughs> That, that's a perfect idea, Kelly. But yeah, Back to sell. I know, I know. Uh, I'm trying to s- steer away from it. So how about that Finding Dory, Kelly? <laughs> Woo! Um, so I think I think this will go down. I think this will go down for me, anyways, as the worst Stephen King adaptation from book to film. Because at least with the stuff I've seen, I've been able to pick positive parts out of it. I could pick no positive parts out of this movie. 
Yeah, eh. I mean, but we kind of talked about this a little, though. Anything that Stephen King actually really likes when he produces in a movie usually is crap. It's the movies that he doesn't like that are really good movies. The Shining is a great movie. It is hysterical. Like, oh, I've... it's still a good movie, but it's like, it's it's cheesiest. I mean, come on. It's Tim Curry. Like, come on. Oh, you're talking about It. Right. Yeah. Sorry. I Well, The Shining's fucking hilarious, too. Like right. you were saying, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, if that didn't scare women, I would quote that all the time. Like, that is... <laughs> That is a fucking hilarious movie, except for the murdering parts. Like, (laughs) well, I mean, come on. Why they have to? I mean, certain people did not have to die in that movie. But I understand why Stephen King doesn't like it, because he butchers the ending. That is not how the movie ends. There is a way that Jack Nicholson's character makes up for what he's like. He fights the house like, oh, there's just the hotel there. There's so much in that book. And plus. Now they couldn't even do the sequel movie because of the way The Shining technically ended. But the the book Doctor Sleep by Stephen King that came out like four or five years ago, somewhere around there. Maybe maybe it's even less than that. Doctor Sleep is the sequel to The Shining. That's a damn good book. Interesting. Yeah, I really like that. But you can't make that movie now. Mm-hmm. So, but. People make fun of Maximum Overdrive because of how goofy it was, you know, inanimate objects coming to life and attacking people. Like, they make fun of that. Dreamcatcher, and by the way, he meant, I think he said, allegedly, that he was completely hopped up on coke during Maximum Overdrive. I I believe also he has stated that for, and once again, I'm saying just in case, you know, I I think. This is what I've heard. Yeah, this, this is hearsay. This is what I have heard, is that while he wrote Dreamcatcher, he was that was after he was hit by that car and he was so hopped up on like oxycodone or oxycontin or whatever that that's when he wrote yeah yeah, that's when he wrote Dreamcatcher. so that but that movie has timothy oliphant and a bunch of really cool people in it so it has some merit even though it's basically shitworms that are (laughs) shitworm aliens that are killing people like it's not a great concept but yeah. the movie, I would still watch Dreamcatcher over this. I would... That's because I feel like this movie doesn't stand out. We're like, oh, Stephen King movie. You're just kind of like, it's another, like, it's a crappy zombie. Like, it's a B zombie. Like, it's a, this is a B film. Like, it's not. And then you're like, but how do they get Samuel Jackson and Cusack I... to do this then? <laughs> I think it's Everybody a... else are kind of like, eh, okay. I think it's a D minus. I, I seriously, the only thing I would give, and I'll tell people why, I would give this a 1% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's only because of the end uh, song they play, and we will, we will get to that towards the end. Uh, but. Okay, so I'm not saying B as in, like, as, as a grading system, I'm saying, like, if you go to, like, oh, a, sure, a, the sure. crappy 50s, like, it's the blob, like, but it's less than that, it's like the blob's cousin, pudding, like, this, is, this isn't, this isn't the actual. <laughs> I would pay to see that. <laughs> That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. It's a throwaway. Like, you put this on the uh, $5 at Walmart, and you get, like, four other shitty zombie-esque movies altogether. Like, that's it's part of that group. Well, let's, I guess, let's not even glance over the fact, too, the director <laughs> is Todd Williams. His major picture that he's directed was Paranormal Activity 2. Not even the first fucking one. The second one. So, fuck him. Because... <laughs> That that garbage is terrible, but he made this film also garbage. Like I don't. Here, here's a question for you, Kelly. I mentioned how a Boston Common type scene with everyone going crazy would be pretty cool, right? Well, yeah. Instead, they do it in the quote unquote Logan Airport, 
which is the the Boston airport. But if you're going to do a fucking scene where airplanes go ahead and crash into each other, maybe it should be done well, possibly. Well, that and like my mind didn't even it it is supposed to be Logan, but it's not like, for someone who's traveled through Logan many many times. This isn't even remotely Logan, and it looks like if it was Logan, it was Logan in the seventies. Like it, it's not current <laughs> Logan. No, like, it's, it's by far. Not like even it looked close. like it should be like a it's almost like a podunk. It feels like more right. of a podunk. And I don't I airport. Could, it is a podunk airport at least in that. And I and I could care less about that. That that stuff doesn't bother me. The only thing they got right technically was the terrible accent in one of the scenes and then uh Samuel Jackson's T uniform. They didn't get the T right. Like the way they actually do it, none of the signs look correct, but the T on his uniform <laughs> will look correct. Awesome. Yes. So one uh, thing they paid for the rights for they certainly didn't pay for the rights for a lot of things, and we will go over that because there's a lot of stuff you don't know. Oh, I'm just trying to think of where to where to start on this one. It's it's just so terrible. <laughs> there there are so many bad CGI moments as well, uh, which are hilarious. Like this movie obviously was not on purpose funny. I'm still not sure if there were any jokes whatsoever in the movie. I don't think so. No, no. The acting was unbearable for me anyways it was john cusack who i love i mean i just watched high fidelity high fidelity has been on hbo like every day and i'll just (laughs) turn on randomly and i'll be like oh mine as well why not he's great and then sam jackson who obviously can be bad in certain movies but he is not a bad actor no and honestly i don't i don't feel i feel like it it felt like every those two just decided that they were just kind of they're gonna phone it in. Sam had some had much better acting than John, but still not great. But what I'd also like to mention on that front is he was absolutely not playing the character in the book. Okay. They just they just made up a character and said, "Here, you have the same name, but nothing is going to be the same about your character whatsoever." Interesting. The one thing, and I don't know if you mentioned it because they it was very slight. But did you hear him? Because I had brought this up on the show when I first heard this announced, and I was like, they cast Sam Jackson as Tom McCourt. Did you hear him say he was gay? No. Because he doesn't say it. What he says is, as they're walking through the tunnel, the first time that they get, uh, the first time that they get introduced, when they're with uh, <laughs> DJ Liquid. I'm sorry. Repeat that before you start giggling. <laughs> Oh my god, I forgot about DJ Liquid. Oh, I would write a thesis on this character. He was so good. <laughs> Kelly, do you remember the first time? And by the way, I watched Cell three times for you people. Oh, wow. Three fucking times I put myself. Like the little bit of my soul that yeah, I but had. You actually rented it too. I at least got a screener. <laughs> yeah, I paid. I paid money to uh, to have this. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get to DJ Liquid. One of the greatest, but I, I texted you as soon as I saw the scene and said, I can't believe they made up this character for this movie because it was so amazingly great. That character is not in the book at all. Interesting. Ever, 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 ever. Uh, so we will talk about him because he's my favorite out of the whole. That's probably the only comedy. <laughs> it was, it was not meant to be comedy. Uh, but they that was definitely my favorite comedic part in the in the movie. When Tom and Clay are talking for the first time. So Sam Jackson is Tom, Clay is John Cusack. When they're talking for the first time, they mention the something tea. No when no, when they're going through the subway. When okay, they're so walking okay, yeah, 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 they're right. walking in the tunnels. When they're going over like, Hey, do you have family here? Do you have fam-? you know, blah blah. Sam Jackson goes, Oh, my man left 
a few years ago or something like that. And that is it. You don't hear about it anymore. He goes, my man left like a couple years ago. Some Something similar to that. But that is the only time you hear him talk about marriage one time later on. But Twice. he doesn't, right, right. But he doesn't mention... He- yeah, he doesn't mention no. gender or anything. He says, like, because he goes, he lost all his money in some sort of financial thing. And then he says, the second disaster I went through was I got divorced four years ago, something like that. And what I had to do was, I had to check, because this is what I do, I had to check when gay marriage was legal in Massachusetts <laughs> <laughs> to see if they had at least got the timeline right. And I think they did. So okay, I, was at, I was at least fine with that. But I guess the only thing I can say for that is in the book, it's not that it played a huge role that he was gay like it didn't matter and maybe it's a good thing that now that kind of stuff isn't harped on you know what i mean like if you think about it in general clay was not going to go like oh i can't trust tom because he's gay get away from me like you can't you can't survive the zombie apocalypse with me you're gay like it's good that that is not a thing true well i think that's also because like when you get a gay character in a movie if they're not a flamboyant extremely gay character then i don't know they assume that the public's not going to remember that they're gay right for some reason so i was okay i was okay with that but i remember questioning like months ago when we talked about this i don't think sam jackson has ever played a gay character so was he or were they just going to leave it completely out of the film and they kind of did he just mentioned that one thing and if you weren't paying attention you would have never noticed it I don't think he has ever played. Like, I'm trying to think even with his voiceover stuff, if he played anything that was even touching along that. And I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. And I don't think this character will go down as, as his, technically, I guess, as his first. But it's not that it needed to be touched on that much, but it did make Tom McCourt in the book who he was, at least for him. Like, his background of being gay had, because he had dealt with so much oppression and stuff, he was a timid character. He was a guy who who had decided to live alone with a cat because he wasn't sure he could hand... You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't labored wow. on. Yeah, it okay. wasn't labored so yeah, on in the book. that does give it a different kind of depth. Right, because when later on in the, in the movie, when John Cusack is talking to Sam Jackson, he's like, I think you're like the best friend I've ever had. You go, what? Then you have, you've had a terrible life. Like, Sam Jackson is not a friendly character in this movie. He is not someone that you would enjoy spending time with. Right. (laughs) So, in the book, though, obviously there is more time for character development. But you can do that in a movie. There are plenty of movies we could start rattling off right now where a friendship is made. And still, in two hours, you're like, when that person dies or something, you're like, no, they were they were such good friends. Right. Like, that happens. That is a thing that you can work with when there's good writing. Right. That does not happen in this movie. In the book, you can realize that maybe Tom and maybe Tom and Clay might have never met in real life if this thing hadn't happened. But even if they had, they would have still been friends, even if they weren't thrown into the situation of craziness, if that makes mm. sense. Okay. So that's what I liked about the book. In the movie, there is no justification for them being together, and they don't look like they would ever be friends or want to be around each other, ever. No. Okay. Let's just, I guess, I guess let's now take it from the top, right? We pretty sure. much got all the, all the background out of the way, probably, right? Right. Clay. So for now, and I am going to use their names in this one because I think it's easier. So John Cusack is Clay, Clay. Riddell, right? Riddell. He is going, like, he was in Boston to sell a graphic novel. That is something true from the book. 
It is not true the later stuff that I will tell you about the graphic novel, but that is what he was doing. He's kind of estranged from his wife and son, so that's fine. He is calling them on his cell phone. In the book, he does not have a cell phone. That is why he is spared the pulse, because he does not have a fucking cell phone because he's a struggling artist. Interesting. So, in the movie, he calls on his cell phone to his wife. He's thinking about going home, basically. He wants to see his son. He's been gone for a year. They don't go into it until later. The phone goes out, and he has to use a payphone. I don't know the last time I've seen a payphone. Um, They're not in in the main term. Like, if you just went through security and you're actually in where you board your plane, you won't find them. I've noticed that they are by all of the – if you're – um. If you're getting off an international flight and you've gone through customs and you're just like they're right there at that baggage claim and that's it yeah i'd imagine you'd have to get into a delorean or some kind of doctor who machine or possibly <laughs> yeah or possibly a bill and ted's excellent adventure telephone booth whatever it happens quantum to leap it okay what i did forget to mention though did you notice the opening credit scene the random blocks covering yes. up. What the fuck were those random black blocks? They're yeah, so they're old. up there with the the Captain America Civil War white letters. Oh, come on. This was a million times worth. This was like they gave this to not even a grad student. They gave this to someone in high school doing editing for the yeah, first time. Yeah, it's PowerPoint. It's very PowerPoint. And it blocked out scenes. Like, I've never seen yeah, that happen. Yeah, huge chunks of scenes. huge chunks of scenes. Like, I wish people, oh, can you screenshot that? Can we put oh, that yeah. as okay? We need to screenshot that and put that out because I think that's very funny. But yeah, the way worse than Captain America. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the whole opening, and it's like four minutes of that. And you're just like, what are they doing? Well, Dude. you're kind of like, okay, so I know they're at an airport someplace. Yes, not Boston, but they are in an airport someplace. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, so they're in this airport. Clay makes the call, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're they're showing everyone. They're making a statement. Stephen King, obviously, in the book. It's a beat you over the head, this is purge election year type statement of we don't talk to each other anymore, we're always on our phones, blah, 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 blah. Who ca- I, yeah, mean, but that's I mean, fine. that's a hu- there's a huge art movement behind that too, where it shows that like you are people are zombies. They don't look at each other, they don't look around, they don't actually communicate to each other. It's just like it's the slave to your cell phone kind of a deal, and it is kind of it's pretty sad. And there, that is your metaphor right there. But what right. I would what I would say, so I'm like I said, I'm pretty sure this was filmed a few years ago. The book was written in 2006, so at that time people were still talking on their cell phones. Now, not so much normally. It's still, I mean, it's mostly text, and they do kind of bring this up later on in the movie. Pokemon Go! Very nice. Just like I said, don't forget, people. Listen to Ian Hates Movies and Music while you're playing your Pokemon Go. <laughs> oh, anyways. Yes, yeah, so a pulse goes out now. So the, the whole intro with all the weird blocks uh, that block out certain things are all people in the airport on their phones basically everyone has their phone up to their face doesn't happen that much anymore but that's the way you have to do it for the movie right yeah so then you start hearing this weird it's almost like they distorted the distortion on when you're trying to connect to the internet in the 90s right yeah Yeah. or it's bad you accidentally call the cell the fax number and you're like oh jesus yeah it's that kind of yeah it's an annoying so now you have to hear this annoying thing and basically it just goes through people and they start freaking out. Some people convulse, some people just like stuttering and stuff. And then they start screaming and everyone acts kind of different. They either start killing people, beating them up. There was a horrible scene with a police officer eating his German shepherd. And I was like, fuck you. Why? Like why? People are being thrown off like the 
the balcony is like a stuff. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's falling off of stuff or, or throwing themselves. So it kind of reminded me of um what was that bad M night movie when the trees attacked them? Yes, the happening. This That's is the right. happening with phones. This right. is right. It's not nature attacking right, is your yeah, is no. your phone. Yes. It is awful. Uh every actor is atrocious in all of these scenes. Uh it would have been fun. Are, they're probably all stand-ins. Like they're all, I mean this is all background people that they're like, "Here, we're going to bloody you up and uh run into stuff, okay?" Yeah. There was a huge ass chef in a chef jacket and he's butchering people with a knife. <laughs> I, I, it's so comical. Pork pork pork. Yeah. They pork sh- <laughs> pork. <laughs> well done. Uh, they show a guy, he's like in the bathroom, so he starts freaking out while he's on the toilet. You're like, okay, like whatever, that's okay. Uh, this guy comes out and starts beating this girl to death, like just beating her to death. It was like, okay. And John Cusack, I guess he's supposed to be playing shocked, or yeah, I, I guess he's stunned, yeah, stunned, maybe <laughs> shot. I, I don't know, on something, but he's not supposed to be. But he just, I don't know what he was doing. Uh, but he like saves well doesn't save the girl's already dead but he like hits with like a bag of something i don't even know it seemed like he had a sack of nickels <laughs> like where did, that, where did that come from <laughs> so he, like kills and then like people are not i guess he's not acting crazy enough so no one's trying to shoot him like no police officer but police are like he's like what's going on and the police comes over and they're like i don't know but i'm gonna kill people and he's like okay but don't use your phones and they go why and he'll point to like a person on the ground and go, because they did. That is one thing in this movie. If anyone <laughs> has any idea whatsoever, it's automatically taken as fact. Yes. No, no debate, no nothing else. It must be true. Right. So that's kind of that's the kind of the way they do it. And the scene goes on for way longer than it has yeah, to. Yeah, it's like five minutes, and I'm like, really? Well, it's more along the lines of we don't want you to focus on that this is clearly not Logan, so we're just gonna throw a lot of bodies around. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Now, for some reason, I guess it was supposed to be some kind of turning point in the movie or something already where Clay puts on his beanie and it never comes off for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I was like, so safety blanket? Linus, is that what? Because there's, there's no tactical reason for you. Like, if they can't see my hair, then they can't get to me. Yeah, like, it, there's no... It made no sense whatsoever. I No one was pulling anyone's hair or anything, so right. I don't know why he thought beanie time... Right. But they made a point to make sure they showed you him. You see put him up. do that. It was almost like, oh, my, is he going to turn Super Saiyan? Like, what's going <laughs> on? Is this is this an invisibility <laughs> cloak? Like, I don't know what reference they were going for. Made yeah. no sense. But for the rest of the movie, he doesn't take it off. Yeah. So you're like, okay. All right. I, I guess that's his thing. Pretty much we lost the budget for hair, so we're just going to do make. <laughs> that is actually probably the best point right there. <laughs> they lost the budget for hair. And that's why Sam Jackson also, I think, has a beanie Babe? on the entire Babe? time. Yes. <laughs> so they go from they go from the airport he leaves he goes to the t because of course you would go to the most populated place at some point right which is normally the t but he goes down there and there's like no one there no one there's no one there there's a t stopped you can't even get a fucking t when you show up when things are supposed to be working That's in true. boston like you're always waiting <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hope everyone's loving this Boston humor. Right, this is, this is going to be great for everybody. <laughs> there's a T there. Someone lets him in, and now there's just a huddled mass of people. Now, what they're saying is the reason why these people aren't phone freaks is what they're calling. They start calling them, even though in the book it's phone crazies or phoners, which I don't know why they can't just use that in the, in the right. movie as well. Basically, they're saying there's no cell service down in the T, which is also not true. Not true. 
There's cell service. Isn't the and, tea off? Uh, don't you get free Wi-Fi on the tea? Yeah. There's tea service in every major city right. with a with a tube system or whatever you want to call it. Right. For any mass transit. Yeah. For a movie, I'm fine with this. I, I that's totally okay. It's just funny to laugh about right now. <laughs> so he goes in, and now you meet Tom McCourt, who is the who's Sam Jackson. He's the other person we've been talking about. He is a tea conductor. Now I don't believe that was his job in uh, in the book, but who gives a shit? It's it's right. fine. Whatever. Let's throw away. Yeah. But he is now a more take charge type fellow which he is not in the book he is absolutely not that character so it's the complete opposite so sam jackson is like hey basically clay is saying we need to get out of here you know that's john cusack's character tom sam jackson says i'm with you and people are like no this kind of stuff happens all the time like it's gonna be fine we're just gonna wait it out here and i'm like what this stuff happens all the time because they're thinking terrorist attack I guess probably. I mean, or they're they're assuming that the tea's just broken down. That would maybe be a more plausible response to that. But yeah, yeah, that that is very true. But they did mention that people had gone crazy and started like killing people. Yeah, so, so. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, we can wait here. And and Tom says no because if someone's not manning the pumps, then this whole place is gonna back up with like sewage and water and you're gonna drown but people are like oh you don't know what you're talking about you've only you only work yeah you only work in the tea but luckily we meet the greatest character ever and that is dj liquid he goes yo dudes you mind if i come with you yeah sure so it's those two and he gets out and he goes deuces y'all and he leaves the fucking I want to say I've completely blacked that whole part of that scene out. Like I remember them walking through the tunnel and then like them exiting the tunnel. I'm I'm blanking on this uh, this other characters. Um, it, it's funny that you cool. said black this out because he is very very white, very very white. Uh, and I I don't remember what his actual name is because as they're walking down the tunnels, not paying attention to anything around them, they're having nice little chit chats, introducing each other, and that's when like you do, yeah, and that's when Tom mentions the my man left me whatever, and that's all you hear about it. But that is where they're doing their little introductions, and then DJ Liquid tells them his name is DJ Liquid and starts some type of talk that I can't even. We are going to listen to it right now. Everyone, just listen to it right now because obviously we we yeah. record this in the past. You listen to it in the future. There you go. Enjoy DJ Liquid. These things always no, do. No, no. Yo, 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 yo. Acting with you? I'm not going to stop you. I don't even know this yo, guy. Yo, deuces, man. You don't even know him. What are you doing? I think this is happening. We're just here. We'll know the world. We'll lose power. Means is happening everywhere. Nobody's manning the power stations. Probably running for their lives like us. Wonder how many folks were on those things when it happened. A lot. Too many, like everybody. And those who didn't get it the first time got zapped and they tried to call not no more to their families. Mm-hmm. I'm Tom McCord, by the way. Clay Riddle. Good to know you. Mike Matt. They call me DJ Liquid. Yeah. I gotta get to Kent Pond. My family's up there, I got a wife and son. You know, New Hampshire, Kent Pond? Yeah. You got anybody you need to check on? Yeah, my boo. Did you say my boo? Yeah, what you got, huh? <laughs> come on, come on. Oh, my man, he done left me, so I ain't got nobody. I live alone. Yo, I got search. What does that mean? I don't know. Are they normal? Do you? No, you want to take that chance? What's happening? 
so yes so there you go great greatest scenes ever but the problem is as dj liquid is not paying attention to things they notice that hey there's some possible zombies out there and instead of paying attention to wherever he is a creature zombie like guy the phoners i'm just gonna call him the phoners because that's what the book says one of the phoners jumps out of the darkness with an axe and just axes dj liquid right in the chest <laughs> yep so he gets a shining treatment basically oh yeah pretty much yeah so dumb oh. <gasps> homage it is absolutely see now possible. i gotta rewatch it and be like okay so are they hinting at carrie are they hinting at it are they hinting at i hope they haven't hinted at anything in this movie to be quite honest that would be really funny because it's actually just a movie based around easter eggs that's the whole point of that <laughs> that would be that would actually be pretty funny <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they escape up a ladder and now they're in boston now here's something that doesn't happen they go to clay's place that does not happen in the book they actually go to a hotel uh where some cool scenes happen but of course this is the movie so they can't show that stuff well, I'm saying it as they're terrible. They didn't write this properly. I'm not saying like, like any. I'm not saying like anything amazing. Did they cut out. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about the scenes they cut out of it. Well, no, yeah, that's true. But then you're expecting that with that though. Did you read like, are it? These just ex- yes, they're just as like, yeah. graphic. Yeah, you know they can never show those scenes in the movie ever. NC-17. No. <laughs> no, because it's all it's underage. It's underage too. That's they can true. never yeah, yeah, they can never do it. I, I still I was so shocked by that book when I read that when I was a kid. I was like, What? People do that? And then that never <laughs> happened in my real life. <laughs> anyway. Uh so they go back they go back to Clay's little like one bedroom, whatever, and it's Boston. That was true to form. That right. was that was Boston right there. He was probably paying fucking two thousand something dollars a month, and it was very very small and shitty apartment. So there, he makes his comments like, "Oh, my son is probably okay." And this is where more of John Cusack's great acting comes in. Cause uh, listen to this clip right here. I gotta find my kid. Yeah, that's John Cusack multiple times throughout the movie. It seems like he really cares about his son and wife, right? It's, I'm going to read something for you. Can you pay attention to me? Yep, pretty much. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of those, or it, uh, on the professional level, it's one of those, if you're a reader and somebody's you know auditioning, that's literally how you're supposed to read stuff. You're not supposed to give them anything to work with. It's just, oh, really? Maybe you shouldn't do that. Pretty terrible, actually. Made me laugh out loud. <laughs> but he, you know, he mentions that his wife and son are in Kent Pond. Which is fine. That's actually similar to the book or exactly the same as the book, which is nice. But he starts saying, yo, my son's probably okay because he only uses his phone to text. Can I use your phone? And he texts his son and then just gets a bunch of garbled message back, which also doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But like why would you even get a message back? Exactly. And so quickly, too. You Unless can't it was even... like an auto response. Then it's like it's error message not sent or something bullshit like that. Which might make a little bit of sense because everyone you know the the pulse went through so maybe the pulse does that with text messages as well i mean it's a good thing that if you read it you don't go crazy i guess (laughs) just the just the stupid sound they put the phone in the freezer to save the battery life because apparently all the electricity is also gone it seems like that's really quick it's one of those things no yeah that's true but if you know this is a typical disaster kind of esque movie where like if all the humans suddenly disappeared shit just doesn't work no more yeah, there aren't timers and shit that runs by itself completely by now, right? Right. Yeah, no. So then you meet Alice. 
Now, Alice in the book actually is a character. She is not a character in this movie. I don't know why they have this person in it, because that is not the character that's in the book. But she is played by the chick who was the weirdo in Orphan, that terrible, terrible horror movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Isabel something or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah, I can't imagine she got paid a lot for this movie. I'm sorry she was in it because she wasn't given anything to do, really. But she, her one moment of real acting, I guess, was when she bangs the door to get into their apartment and says that she had to kill her mom. And then first wants to change her clothes because they're all bloody and they smell like her mom's perfume, but then decides to sleep in them instead. Doesn't go shower or change like she said she was going to and instead just sleeps on their sofa or whatever the fuck. So that's where they have their little quote-unquote heart-to-heart where they're trying to talk, what is this? You know, terrorist attack, blah, blah, blah. All right, right. what actually just happened? Right. The recap. In the book, what's done much better is that not all of Boston was on their fucking phones when this happened the same way in the whole world not everyone is on their phone so there are plenty of survivors so when they meet up and they meet alice for the first time and they decide to be a group they're walking out of boston as it's on fire with a whole bunch of survivors they're like we have to get out of the city but we don't know where we're gonna go but we at least know we have to get out of the city that's when they go to tom's house which is a house in like malden or something which is in walking distance from Boston so that's where they go and that's where they hang out and that's where they start to talk and get to know each other have some character development and then go ahead and realize oh the phoners are not zombies they're starting to flock together and not act as crazy as we thought they were so they realize they're evolving so they mention the flock thing in Clay's apartment and then Sam gets the line off that's flocking crazy which i guess was supposed to be his snakes on a plane line yeah not delivered no and the whole time it wasn't memorable at all no i just remember these things because it's now burned into my soul i know so they decide that basically clay is saying i don't really care about you guys i have to see my son and wife and they're like this is crazy but we don't really have anything better to do so True. let's just go with you. Right. That's that's what they decide to do. So then you have the escape out of the city scene where there's a whole bunch of phoners and they attack some people on a motorcycle and they're being ripped apart. And after they've been yelling probably for like two minutes about being ripped apart, they're like, should we help them? And Sam Jackson's like, no, let's get out of here. They're not looking. They're like, right. oh. Okay, so they they leave, and that's where you see them like leave Boston, and they have the ominous cell tower <laughs> look, and Boston is not in flames, and nothing's wrong with Boston, and they're just leaving. Every single cutscene, yeah, just in case you didn't realize what was going on. Cell tower, cell tower, which is not threatening anyway. No, it was it was threatening to me based on being annoyed. <laughs> that was, right, that was all I got from that. So now they're walking through the suburbs and they see a car with uh, bumper stickers for NRA and you'll never take my guns from me. (laughs) But that is kind of brilliant. You'd figure those people would actually have guns in their house. And that was actually sort of in the book because Tom lived across 
from the people that did this. So once again, right. I don't know why they had to go into they couldn't just go to Tom's house and show his fucking cat and show him as a timid person which he was who grows into something different. Like I don't know why they couldn't do that, but instead they're walking along and they see it and they decide to go in and that's where Sam Jackson's like, "I'm a black man. There's no way I am trespassing on this person's lawn with a crowbar." With a crowbar. And by the way, I didn't mention it. I think I mentioned it months ago. They switched the races of people in this movie tom mccourt is in the book he is white he is not black like sam jackson is and the raggedy man the president of the internet which we will get to soon who is the supposed to be an antagonist in the movie who's barely in the fucking movie uh he is black in the book yet he is white in the thing so they just did a balancing switch they just switched up the i don't know why i don't know why they did it uh, because actually, Sam Jackson as the Raggedy Man might have been a good thing if you had given him the lines and the fucking creepy shit that he does in the book. It might have actually been a good way to do it. But instead, it's just a side note because, once again, could care less what race plays what doesn't matter. No, no, no. But it's one of those things where, like, if if it brings something in with Jackson, he brings a certain level to it. And if I could see him playing that character much more and and making it way more creepy and scary because he's not, I wouldn't see him playing timid or like, I've never seen him play any of those type of roles at all. Wouldn't have that been something interesting if Sam Jackson was playing timid, if he was playing a person who grew from a, Hey, I'm going along with things to a more take charge. Like I'm, I can do this type guy. Like that would be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I think that you're also when you're going to get actors to do that kind of a push away from what they're normally boxed into, then they're getting paid a crap ton of money, and this is going to be an Oscar-nominated film. Like that's I guess so, but this this movie certainly this, right. This so movie it's like why I'm going to phone this in. This isn't going to go anywhere. This, period. This has to be a Razzie's nomination, multiple Razzie nomination. Well, just I mean, alone for the fact that even Rotten Tomatoes is like fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> Yes, it's just Rotten Tomatoes gives no fucks about this movie. Like there, yeah, none to none to be given. <laughs> oh, so they they do go in the house and they see what I guess downstairs in the basement is a quote unquote gruesome scene where I guess someone with a gun killed the person and then killed themselves. But you've seen suicide. You've seen so many of these scenes already. So why is this one more graphic to you? Yeah, I don't find this to be more because it wasn't even. It's not like they used shotguns. Like that's just graphic in general. Like they used handguns. Right, and then they made it a point to show that like it took some effort for uh, Clay to get the gun from the dead person. And then when he went upstairs, so Alice right. and Clay, or sorry, Alice and Tom are just upstairs with now an arsenal of weapons. They have just found. So he so, went through- Okay, so mind you, the first thing I said when I'm sitting here watching that movie and I saw all the bumper stickers and I'm like, more than likely those people who are not there or they're dead. But I'm thinking to myself, good luck. Because people who are that hardcore into it, these things are in safes and they're like, you can't, they're not mounted on the wall like no. the psycho crazies that they always play them out to be in these movies. Like, you have to go through so many levels of security just to get to these damn things, I'm like, you enjoy breaking it open a safe for the next hour and a half of this movie. What I at least thought was maybe the original person who wasn't a phoner got all the weapons out and then went downstairs and realized that the teenagers were phoners and killed them and then killed themselves. So that's why they were all that's the only I'm just that's the only thing but I can still, think it's of. But still it's so like 
stretching. Well, right, right. Well, they also mentioned in the book that there were no way that there was no way they could get a gun in Boston because Massachusetts has the second strictest gun laws in the country, which is fucking true. So they couldn't get one until they came out of the city. They don't mention any of that here. Plus, all of a sudden, Tom is an ex-military guy. And Vietnam. Re- yeah, Vietnam. I absolutely do not believe that was true in the book because I'm pretty sure Tom was middle-aged. He was like so, yeah. 30, 34 or something like that. I, I, Hey, anyone, you can get in touch with me if I'm missing something in Cell. I did not get a chance to reread it, but I skimmed everything. I, I'm pretty sure he was not in Vietnam. He was way too young to be in Vietnam. This was just a way to shoehorn in that one person knows how to shoot. Which, right. he's like, yeah, he's like, you never forget. And he just starts loading shit. It's like, oh, okay. All right, that's yeah, fine. But like, why did you have to go that far back? You could. We've had plenty of other um, skirmishes throughout the world. Like, he could still be active military and be gay because it's you know, don't ask, don't tell. Right. So you know, like they could have touched on any of that, but no. Let's let's go to the loner Vietnam guy who runs the tea in Boston. Right. All right. So they all get weapons, and they all just are co- super comfortable with them. By the way, super comfortable with their weapons. Uh, and then they see someone outside. It's like a teenage boy or something swinging with a dog in his lap yeah and he's just like slowly petting it so of course that is a phoner but yet sam jackson makes this whole thing about like going out to see them and then as soon as the thing turns around sam jackson just caps him with a shotgun and they're like oh no i thought they traveled in flocks and he's like yes that one didn't travel in flocks now all of a sudden they all show up because they've been hanging around and that's a fucking loud noise exactly a really well, the other fucking thing is, loud as noise. soon as you go outside and like call at that person and you get a zero response, walk away. Yeah, why bother? Walk away. Why bother with him now? Because he could have easily had a gun that he had put to his mouth or something. Like right. Anything. His guts could be hanging out and you're just not seeing it, whatever it happens to be. So why even bother? Anyway. Show, I mean, are, so are, are they trying to show you that then now they're trying to set traps to bait people? But it wasn't even that, was it? Like, it didn't seem like it. But... It is possible because... Well, they all kind of like popped out from behind the trees and then came... You well, know, they were like, all walking around. Like, that was the other thing, too. It, they were all... They weren't hiding. They were walking. They just were being quiet. So, I don't, I don't know. Horrible. I, it was just dumb. Uh, but also, I'm, and I'm pretty sure that Tom had reservations in the book about killing people, even if, like, it was a big thing. And, of course, Sam Jackson says, fuck it. Like, I I am now the leader of this group, technically, and I'm going to shoot people. So now they have a full-on chase scene where it's just, like, a hundred-plus of these phoners chasing them. And they're running through the woods at, like, full sprint. And some of the phoners are, like, running into trees. You're like, that's not how this works. They're not stupid. Well, yeah, and if they set up a hive mentality, and especially if it's a flock of birds, flock of birds avoid predators like you wouldn't. Like, it's actually very impressive the way they're able to move together. Yeah, so these ones do not. They're, like, tripping and breaking their legs and not caring, and then they're running into trees, whatever the fuck. So they're running, and now I guess they got tired of doing the long shot of them running away. So Sam Jackson just goes, fuck it, I'm not running anymore. And they all three turn around and are awesome dead aim while fast people are running at them just shoot like 20 of them and just go oh okay i guess we're the most amazing shots ever let's keep running like this is awesome that we found each other guys like well they talk about that like you like first person shooters right because that translates so well but that's even later on that's not even now now. 
<laughs> you're right. You're right, though. They they make it to like a, a stream or a lake or whatever the fuck river. Uh, right. I'm just gonna name bodies of water. Cool. <laughs> I think I think it's a river. It was wet. It was yeah. moving. They see an upside down uh, boat dinghy, whatever sure. the fuck. Yeah, and decide to hide underneath it. So now all these hundreds of phoners show up, and it's almost like they're sniffing around, but they're not because they're not zombies. So they're not smelling flesh. They're not smelling prey. Right. They're just looking around, and they guess they don't see anybody, so they just leave. They all leave at the same time. So now they hang out underneath the underneath the boat, and then they walk like five feet away, and Sam Jack's like, what the fuck? <laughs> at nighttime... They come out and they realize, oh, the phoners go away at night to somewhere. They're not. It's it's the opposite of zombies, you know. Right. Kinda. Yeah. It's it's they have to travel at night now. They they don't travel during the day. Right. And this is where they have more of that profound conversation where Sam Jackson goes, "Hey, how did they? How did they know? How they all know where we were?" Now I would have said, "You fucking shotgun. shotgun, yeah, you shotgun blasted somebody. That's how they all knew where you were." Instead, Clay goes, "Well, maybe they didn't see. Maybe it wasn't just his eyes. Maybe they all see." And the, and then Alice chimes in, "Yeah, like a hive mind." And Sam goes, "Okay." Clay goes, "Yeah. So do you have a better idea?" And then that that is now the idea. Because there was no better idea, so now this right. is definitely a high mind. Right. Done. And how did they come across this in the movie? Or does this even happen in the movie? It does. It happens later. Book. Yeah, book. But yeah, there you go. It happens in the book later. Because none of this happens. None of this whole thing happens. It's dumb. It, it didn't happen in the book. One of the great things Stephen King does in, in many, many of his books, he's very good at telling traveling stories. And that's what this is. There are no cars. They're not they're not driving in cars right. and stuff. So they're walking. So there's a lot there's character development. There's there's talking to each other. There's trying to deduct things and use reasoning and all these all these things that they could do in a movie. You can do that. It has been done. But they just didn't want to do it in this one. Well, it's either you do it correctly or you don't do it at all like this movie or you overdo it and you have 30 minutes of the Harry Potter movie where they're well, whining in the woods. Right. Exactly. Yes. Uh, J.K. Rowling, as good as she is at telling stories, she is not a good writer when it comes uh, to traveler. any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, no, no. But Stephen King is amazing at it. Read almost any like The Dark Tower is ama- The Stand. Uh, there are so many books that he has made. And in Cell, he is good at it as well. So it's it's a little sad that it's not portrayed well in the movie. But, of course, nothing in this movie really is. <laughs> it's portrayed well. So now they show up right at, you know, they start walking and then all of a sudden they're at this private academy. Which and, makes sense, Massachusetts. You'll come across yeah. these damn things. You meet a young kid named Jordan and the headmaster, which he calls the head. And it was played by Stacy Keach, who's amazing. And amazing. he's in the movie for five minutes. I know. Now, in the book, of course... These two characters are way more main. It's a bigger deal. Like they have actual conversations and you realize that they're both smart. Like Jordan's pretty much like a genius, which is important for later on in the book, at least not in the movie. It's very important later on. And the headmaster is like a great character that you really like. Like it's someone that you're like, oh man, I can see why this is like a father figure to the kid. Like right, 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 this right. was someone where in the school everyone probably loved him. Like th- it made sense. And he's the smart one that comes up with, hey, well, also Jordan, that they aren't zombies. That this pulse that went through them 
pretty much wipes our brains. Like the right. brain is a they huge get hard rewired. drive. Yeah, they, yeah. Exactly. It, it erases it from the beginning. And you kind of become like a Neanderthal kind of thing. You know what I mean? You become one of those prehistoric. You've got nothing, and the the only thing you've got is your primal urges, basically. Somewhere right. like it's getting. We're gonna re- wipe yeah. you and start you at base one, and then rebuild you. Exactly. And that's that's what they kind of come up with. And now they very, very basically talk about it in the movie. And it's not even worth that scene is awful. Uh, right. But what they do is, you know, they talk about the flocks and they talk about how it's a hive mind. This is when they initially start talking about it because they're playing this music through their mouths or through their bodies, however you want to say it. Now, it's not whatever weird music they chose in the movie. In the book, it's it's better. But they realize that... Okay, they only travel during the day, and they seem to have a purpose now. So they're evolving. And that's, right. that's the thing that you don't really get in the movie, is that they're, they're evolving into something better than humans. Not that they're evolving below humans, like devolving. Right. Right, they are right. evolving above humans, the way the book tells it anyways. So the whole plan is you've got all of these phoners coming to this, this soccer field every night. And the headmaster's like, I want to fucking kill him. And I thought this, when I read the book, I was like, this is badass. Like, this guy's badass. He's old. Also, he was way older than Stacey Keach. He's like 80-something in the book. Awesome. Yeah. So but yeah, I think, though, I mean, you, it's, you know, if you find a hive and you want to get rid of them, and when they're all there, you get rid of them all. Yes. And it was cool. In the book, it was actual scene. They, they don't... <laughs> in the in the book they had to collect things to make this work because not everything was just all hooked up and ready for them to go because they do this all in one night in the movie that is not how it happens in the book because they don't trust because why would you trust that the phoners aren't just going to stand up at any point right in the movie they walk down to them like they just trust stacy keach they just walk down down with him and he takes out a sword in his cane which i don't remember being in the book whatsoever and just starts stabbing the phoners just starts fucking stabbing them <laughs> well see what it is is that they also give you the idea now mind you this is what not even two days three days in in the movie or what however that you assume that this person has learned this much about them now if you've been traveling and this has been like the third week then he would know and that's what the book is the book travels along time-wise as well where in this movie i would be sure that it was only two days maybe three maybe three in the book it's like weeks and then i think it's like a month or two like it's it's a longer period of time because yeah they actually have scenes that have storylines in them and i mean the movie ends where they're supposedly in canada and this only took them two days to walk to canada from boston yeah they make it to they make it to new hampshire and then maine (laughs) Because that's where Camp Pond is in the book, by the way. It's in Maine, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. In here, it's in New Hampshire. Uh, But yeah, so in the movie, they're just like, oh, well, fuck these phoners. Like, hey, there's a sprayer right there, and it must be full of gasoline already. Let's just drive over all them and spray them with gas. It was a much more intricate plan in the book, and it took two of those sprayers, not just one. Well, no, you had to cover them adequately enough to... And let's, let's also now... This was cool. Fine, they light them on fire, right? They light all of them on fire, which is great. Seriously, you're going to stand 10 feet away 
Stay, you're going to stand 10 feet away from the burning bodies. And then when they start moving, you're going to waste ammunition trying to and shoot, shoot them. them. And then not realize that you've been tanking out fucking gasoline everywhere you've been going because you're spraying it. You don't think that there's going to be a gasoline trail back to the fucking sprayer? Truck? Yeah, seriously. Right. So in the movie, it explodes and fucking Stacy Keats gets like a drive shaft which isn't even damaged in the fucking truck when they show right, it again. Right. But he gets it like right through the heart. Wow. That was unlucky, I guess. <laughs> that was amazing. You want to know how he dies in the book? Yes. So they they are super badasses in the in the book and they kill all those zombies and it's it's done or the phoners and they do it very well. They go, "Hey, we need to get the fuck out of here." Like they don't wait around by the field. They're all dying. You hear their screams. Like it's fucking awesome. It's great. Because that's <laughs> what I would do. If I right. was, yeah, I mean, that's what you hope is that you're just like, I'm going to take these motherfuckers out. Bam. And what's well, a better way? Like, this is the one time where a flamethrower works. Like, this is fine. Right. You don't want to waste. Yeah, you don't want to waste ammunition. But then also, let's be completely honest here, too. If you're doing this at, in the night and you were able to stab, you could just give everyone a fucking sword and just go by and stab everything. You didn't have to use Go 300 on their ass and just hack Yeah, them just hack them all. Yeah, who gives a shit? Yeah. But anyways, that's besides that's besides <laughs> the point. So in the book, Clay goes, we got to, because Clay is really in the book. He's the leader. Everyone's okay. pretty much following him. But he goes, hey, we need to get the fuck out of here. We don't know if there's going to be a retaliation. We don't know if they've alerted. Right, if it's going to bring other people to Yeah, are other phoners going to show up? Yeah, and it, whatever it happens to be, we need to get out of here. Now, unfortunately, the head is too old to travel like that quick. Like, he right. can't do it. So what happens is they stay there that night, and that's when they first have the dreams. That's where you meet, and I believe that's where you meet the Raggedy Man for the first time. Now, the Raggedy Man is a... He's got a huge scar on his face, like skin hanging down. It's like a he's teenager... He looks mostly like a zombie. Yeah, like if, right. if you were to think of it, it almost has like that gangrene feel to him. Yes, exactly. In the book, he has a Harvard sweatshirt on. Because it's, <laughs> it's Boston. It's Boston. So they call him the president of Harvard, which is a joke. Now, of course, Harvard is not going to give them the name to no, use in this movie. Not. So right. the one time they ever mention it is later on in the movie when they call him the president of the Internet. That makes no sense. Why would you call the phone thing the president of the Internet? Why didn't they call him the president of the fucking phones? Right. Cellular. Yeah, something. The president of the cell towers. I don't know. Something that makes sense. It connects. <laughs> yeah. Because internet and phone aren't always necessarily one and the same. They're really not the same, like, at all. Because, so, in the book, it obviously, calling him the president of Harvard is actually a fun joke, too. Because so, you know I'm going to see if I can't find a photo of Al Gore in a red hoodie, right? Do it up. I'm completely fine with that. He is the president yeah. of the internet. Yeah. And Raggedy Man is a great nickname. Which I don't even think they use in the movie. No. Not at all. So I don't know why they couldn't call him Raggedy Man because that's a great nickname. Anyways, the Raggedy Man shows up in their dreams. All of their dreams. Except for Alice, but that's a side story for later. Shows up in the dreams and is basically saying, you're fucked. You shouldn't be messing with us. You guys are the crazy ones. We're the evolved ones. You're the obsolete and we're going to teach you a lesson. And you don't get that from any of their dream sequences. No. And it's such a great No, it's such a great dream too because what they all dream is like that they're in a stadium, a stadium full of people. Now, I understand the movie you can't money-wise. 
They they can't they can do that. They can CGI the fuck out of well, that. And they, they did me. later on in the movie in that one scene. But right. We'll, yeah. But yeah, I would have thought, but that's what, so then, and they're all strung up. And they're being made examples of in the fucking dreams. How cool is that? Like, that is a good way because they're not zombies. These are evolved. These are becoming evolved beings. Right. A high mind evolved being. Because the Raggedy Man is not the leader. That is the spokesperson for the right. mass. That kind of thing. It's it's not if you kill him, another thing is going to take his place. It's right. not like it's not like Independence Day resurgence. Right. If you kill the queen, they all drop dead. Yeah, this is not that. The Raggedy Man is not the queen. The Raggedy Man is just the spokesperson that they've decided to use. That's all it is. What a great dream sequence that is, right? Like that that makes sense. So what happens is then the Raggedy Man, when they all wake up and they're talking about their dream and they realize, oh shit, they have telekinesis powers and shit like we are fucked another flock comes because obviously they killed a whole fucking flock another flock comes and surrounds them basically saying you need to walk to this place which is called cash walk cash whack uh equals no foe or whatever which they mention like twice in the fucking movie you see there's more graffiti but it's not really well they tell them this is how they find out they need to go is they tell them you have to go because you're going to be made an example of. Now, obviously, who's going to say, yes, we're definitely going to do that because that sounds great. I'm sure this is going to work right. out really well. Because at first right. they think, they think, okay, if these are higher beings now, then they're going to forgive us, right? Well, that's not true because in order to prove their point, because they let them go. Basically, they kill everyone else in the city that's alive in this, uh, wherever that academy is. Any of the living people, basically, they bring them and they kill them all. And they say, this is because of what you did to that flock. We just killed all these people. This, none of this happens in the movie. No! Not even close. So they're like, well, fuck you. We'd rather just die here. We don't want to go. Why? Like, why would we want to be made example like, you're of? You're gonna go string us up someplace. Yeah, we don't give a fuck. Like, of course, Clay still wants to see his find his son and his wife, but he's he's All like right. they're probably dead any whatever to show their power. You're going to go. They make the head fucking kill himself by stabbing his own by writing the word insanity in like 14 different languages and then stabbing himself through the eye with his pen. Mm. But here's where everything is different. They're making it seem like. The normies are the crazies, which is awesome. Like that is a good thing to do. Like that's good storytelling. Yeah. It's definitely more interesting. None of this happens in the movie. None whatsoever. Yeah. So obviously Jordan's heartbroken and obviously in the movie too. But in the movie, you're just like, why were you standing next to a truck with a whole bunch of gasoline? Why? Why? You, You deserved it. I mean, you all should have been killed. Like, right. The movie should have been over there. Yeah, the movie should have been done. So they start walking. In the movie, they start walking. Then they start seeing the cash whack equals no foe. So basically it's saying no phone zone is what they're saying it is, basically. So they end up showing up at a pub, I guess, right? They show up at this They show up at this pub, sleep over in some, like, outdoor movie uh, thing. And that's where they yeah. first That's where they first have the dreams in there. yeah, yeah. But, but the first dream is his ex-wife blowing the guy in the redhead. Yeah, which why? But I will tell you that is classic Stephen King, and I didn't have a problem with that scene. Like I thought that was great, but that meant nothing to the movie nor the storyline nor why would they be you know whatever. But each person basically tells a story about 
the raggedy man and tom is like yeah he pushed me in front of a train you're like well that's stupid there are better things you could even come up with writing wise if you're not going to show it right uh i think what did alice say that people were calling her crazy yeah, Which at least went kind of st- some sort of a, like inner demon thing apparently is what, it, what it's supposed to be. I guess that kind of went bookwise at least for that little part. Is that as good as showing a stadium full of the phoners being like we need to kill you as an example to everyone? No, because you're not getting the idea that this is a higher like you haven't gotten that they've evolved to that point that that they can make those kind of just like that would be a it's a whole different kind of a monster here than what we're dealing with so yeah in the movie there's none of that so obviously that blows right so now they keep walking and they see another sign and it's over a pub i don't know why i guess it's because it's an english pub possibly out in the middle of fucking nowhere they knock on it and sam jackson goes open up we're americans why yeah but that's see that confused me too i'm like did they make it to canada somehow like why would you put it that way i mean maybe they how do you dip into Canada and then come back to New Hampshire? I don't, I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyways, they open up. There's like a few survivors in there. I don't remember these people from the book. I don't think any of this happened. I, I don't. Okay. The, the book is, oh, I can't wait to tell you what happens in the book. This whole scene is fucking dumb, actually. And it's so dumb. We're going to play the drunken parts for you right now. So the first drunken weird part that you're going to hear right now is sam jackson and john cusack talking and then the clip right after that is going to be alice and tom talking or alice and clay talking and that one is so weird because it's almost like she's coming on to him right which is strange i i Mind don't you, how old is this person supposed to be she's so supposed to be 15 jordan Thank you. jordan's like supposed 16. to be yeah jordan's supposed to be 12 and then Technically, Tom Tom is supposed to be in his mid-30s, and I think Clay is like 40-plus or whatever. So Clay, John Cusack, is supposed to be the oldest person. Right. That's, but that is not the way it is in the movie, obviously. No. Just listen to these right now, because they're hilarious. You think Bob Dylan's a phoner? <laughs> That's a good no, there's no telephone songs on here. That would, that would be... Like, apropos, right? Like, uh, Mr. Telephone Man, there's something wrong with my line. When I call my baby number, I get a click every... Oh, D2. D2. That's like the devil of, of ego, right? The vanity super individuality but the other one was this one called Aramon and he was like um, the demon of uh, big data of numbers of abstraction right you know what I'm saying yeah you with me yeah you with me Jeff hell yeah when I came home from Vietnam you know I was lost drifting and somebody reached out their hand and they saved my life they might be dead now, or even part of the flock is trying to pull me in. All I know is that I didn't survive war and all the rest of it just to get pulled in by this fucker, a flock. You know, I saw you with your son once too, and I always wanted that. 
Anyway, I saw you leave your apartment with that woman, and I just really hated that. Liz? Liz hated that. It seemed like you were pissed at me. I never knew what was up with you. Give me that death stare. Yeah, I'll give everyone a death stare. But I know you love your family. I've seen you with your son, and I and, and I know that shit happens with couples. Just you're gonna find him, Clay. You're gonna find him. Okay. You are. Hmm. We're traveling in the dark, and that was really, really dark for me. Because I had him, and I had her. I had some bullshit job that I hated, and doing graphic design for some stupid company. And I hated myself for not having the balls to do what I wanted, and I hated Sharon for loving me when I hated myself, and all these warped, convoluted feelings. Sometimes I get home from work and I change into my rock and roll t-shirt and I go to the barn and smoke weed and listen to Norwegian death metal like some teenager wanted to blow up his high school. It's pathetic. And one day I just split and moved out. And do you like being there? First night I was there, I knew it was a mistake. Very first night. I called Sharon the day of the pulse. I couldn't tell her I missed her and I wanted to come home. So yeah, just so inane. So just, inane just and stupid. Just a snippet of just yeah. the magic we got to sit through. Because this was like a two-hour movie, wasn't it? Uh, hour and 40. <laughs> I mean, it felt longer. <laughs> It felt right. longer, yes. Uh, and one thing we didn't also mention is Sam Jackson does this whole religious reading. Prayer. Prayer thing. reading thing yeah. when they're in the movie theater thing or whatever. Like, it's an outdoor, whatever those outdoor movies are. It's like the oh, little yeah, yeah. concession stand they're in. But right, right, right. that was a big thing that was weird to me because I'm pretty sure in the book, Tom was completely anti-religious because he was gay. And had this whole back thing about not believing in God and or and or hating God because of the gay thing. Right. And now to have now Tom's character start quoting the Bible and reading a prayer was way out of left field. Interesting. And by the way, just on a side on a side and then because we like to go on tangents. Have you seen the Born Identity trailer? You know his or name. Born yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed? That the first, and it's a cringeworthy scene, the acting is terrible, when they notice Jason, it's Jason Bourne on the security cams. It's like at the beginning of the movie, pretty much, and at the beginning right, right. of the trailer, when the guy goes, did you know they change it every time you see the commercial? One time he goes, my God, it's Jason Bourne, which is cringeworthy already. The other times he goes, Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. And it's like... Which one, like, why did you change it? And then is it because at later on in the night you don't want to be as blasphemous? Or, like, I'm not sure. I'm not that, sure. Or depending on what channel it's on, depending on what the approval is. Yeah, I wonder. But that was – That's never, really funny. Yeah, I've never noticed it on anything else before. But he definitely – I am not making this up. It's every other commercial you'll see. I think I'm going to need to pull those. No, that would be very funny. Do that If you can, <laughs> do that for next week. But, so yeah, that – Side sidebar, obviously. So they're in this fucking bar, 
and they're talking stupid, drunk to each other. Really inane nonsense. Uh, basically saying that, and oh, and we didn't mention this either. So apparently Clay has drawn the Raggedy Man in his graphic novel. Right, which was like the second scene when they go back to his apartment or whatever. And he, it's true because they do like this wall of like all these different artist renderings of these different shadowy creature things. And they're assuming in the movie that it's because of him that the Raggedy Man is around. But that is nothing to do with the book whatsoever. And that point is completely mute later on because they never bring it up again. Like never, never brought up. So who gives a shit? I don't know. the, The whole conversation makes absolutely no sense. But everyone now, without setting a guard, goes ahead and goes to bed. No one sets anyone there ready to kill phoners if they somehow want to break in. Like, no one. They're just all comfortable just falling asleep somehow. So they all go to sleep. And then the woman who is hitting on Sam Jackson, who also never mentions that he's gay to her or gives her any type of look like, I don't Trust want. Trust me. Yeah. Not your type. Yeah. Nothing. Like, why didn't he even say that? He didn't, he didn't say anything like that. She's coming on to because everybody. Because when you're drunk, it doesn't matter who hits on you. You let them do it. No, no. But this was in the beginning, remember? Like when they oh, walk yeah, in, true, she's yeah. like, you're like handsome. You you're, too. Yeah, you're, oh, handsome. Yeah. you're a tall drink of water. Like whatever. <laughs> Sam Jackson just looks at her and just doesn't act. So the woman gets up and she hears some strange like barking or something like that. And she goes to the door and then there's nothing. So she goes back and then all of a sudden goes back to the door and puts her ear close to the door for some reason. So you know, oh, I guess now they're going to make people phoners some way or something like that. Something happens. So Clay wakes up, goes over, and she's standing there without, you know, with her back turned towards him. And as he goes, you see in frame, there are like five or six other guys just waiting for him there. They all attack. She starts making the crazy noise, the pulse noise from her mouth now. Yep. And now that's how the phoners are transmitting and actually turning other people into phoners now is by transmitting that pulse through the mouth to the people. Uh, So they change a couple of the people that were in the bar and then they fight and the fight's terrible. Like the whole scene is terrible. And then Alice gets fucking knocked upside the head from behind with like a pull cue or something. And then... Yeah, it almost looks like a baseball bat. Oh, well, there was a base. They were carrying around a baseball bat at one point. So probably was that. Uh, And then they kill everyone. And now Alice is basically dying. And they go ahead and they take her outside and she's got like one huge bloodshot eye and she's just rambling nonsense and then she passes away. And what was strange was the first thing, instead of Clay and Tom being like the saddest or whatever, Clay goes over to Jordan's like, I'm sorry, man. Almost like Jordan had a chance to like fuck her or something. Right. And he yeah. was like, dude, I'm so sorry. That was your you last chance You guys didn't establish that at all and then because it doesn't last scene she was drunkenly hitting on you anyway yeah it's not a it's not a thing that happened but so awkward awkward hug between (laughs) between clay and jordan and then an even more awkward hug between tom and jordan (laughs) like i don't know what sam jackson was doing but that was a fucking weird ass hug it was like, wow, way to show any emotion whatsoever, dude. You're right. Like, I guess you weren't paid anything for this movie. I don't know. So now let me tell you because it's important to the story and it's so much better. I was going to say, give me the whole background yeah, on Alice. Let me because tell you her character so, is kind of like, so we need a female. Let's put a female with this group. Alice, Alice is like almost, besides Clay, she's more of the de facto leader. 
Like she's a 15 year old girl who's kind of a bad. It's like she basically does this trick where she puts all of her sorrow and all of her whatever about what's happening into a kid's shoe. Like you know how you can uh, you can like lock things away. Like she does that with this kid's shoe, and she basically doesn't become a badass, but she's like. I don't care about this shit anymore. I'm going to survive and we're going to kill phoners and, you know, we're going to find your son and your wife. And, you know, because she doesn't care. She's like, we killed a bunch of fuckers like and we're going to keep like, who cares? You know, like that kind of thing. Like, I like a badass Stephen King character like that. That's more of what Alice is in the book. She is absolutely not that in this movie at all. She has like five lines, possibly. Other than the whole I just killed my mom thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. So what actually happens in the book is that the phoners who are so far advanced now that they are not only able to get in your dreams, but they're also able to spread their message through basically every living thing. So they're telling anyone who isn't a phoner, hey, go to Cashwack because there's no cell phone tower there. You're going to be fine. Don't worry about everything. But... If you kill any of the phoners on the way, we're going to make an example out of you. These people here, and they show everyone. So now every human being has seen this group of people. They are untouchable. They need to make it to Cashwack. No one gets to fuck with them. They're Basically, the Raggedy Man is saying they're mine. Right. So on the way to walking to that area, walking to Kent Pond, actually. That's where they're, they're going, right. and then they're supposed to go to Cashwack. On their way, they meet this group of shitheads, teenagers, like uh, college frat guys, basically. And the guys are like, hey, baby, like, you know, like making moves on Alice. And Clay has to like pistol whip one of them. And she's like, I'm having none of this. Like, fuck you guys. Like, I don't want any piece of you. Like, you're gross. Like, you know, making them feel like like shit like they are because they are garbage people. And they're making fun of them for, you know, being untouchable and they're going to be fine and all this stupid bullshit. But Alice obviously strikes a nerve because what frat guy likes to be turned down by a 15-year-old girl? You know what I mean? Like, they're going to get... Well, the type of guy who's upset by being turned down by a 15-year-old, yeah, this is probably how they would have reacted. Yeah. Well, the way they react is by leaving them, right? So they're they're gone and they're like, oh, okay, so I, I forget, maybe some days go by or something like that. And then all of a sudden they're walking down, continuing their, their journey, and the car comes up behind them and one of the guys throws a cinder block into the back of Alice's head. Yeah. Okay. So it's still abrupt, but right. it, it has a meaning. Like right. it makes her more of a a character you enjoy plus a right. character that you're like fuck no i wanted to see her make it to the end you know that kind of thing right so now everyone's obviously pissed off and you know but that's when you've got people being like alice 15 years old shouldn't be dying this way there's real emotion there's real shit so okay. now they continue walking and now they're still getting these dreams in the in the book they're still getting these dreams and everything now in the movie i don't even know if they even talk dreams anymore I don't, nope, I don't they think have so. that they, one scene and, and that's, that's not brought up. Again. That's absolutely it. Yeah. So yeah. in the movie, let's just go back to the movie for a second. In the movie, they do make it to Kent Pond, right? I don't think there's any other scenes in between there. They make it to they make it to Kent Pond, and that's where they're looking for the son and the wife. They're looking for Johnny and Sharon, his wife. You miss them picking up the mass holes. That's supposed to happen later. In the in the book it's different. Yeah. Okay, okay all right. Well, Oh, because I learned about the movie. I'm trying to think about the best way to to do it. 
All right, let me tell this scene. I, I don't care if it's out of order. What, whatever. <laughs> okay. Who gives a shit? So in the movie, the movie's fucking, the movie's out of order. <laughs> no, sir, the movie's out of order. There, that's my acting. So they go to Camp Pond. And now, of course, because why wouldn't you? Clay goes, stay out here. Yeah, that's what you're really supposed to do, right? You're supposed to look right. in a house by yourself because that makes right. a whole fu- like fuck Every horror sense. movie, that works out yeah. well. So he goes in. He goes to the kitchen. He sees <laughs> written out in all those alpha- alphabet letter magnet things a whole line about how Johnny has gone to Cashwalk and there's no phones there. That's it. So he looks around the house. He looks around the house. Now, in the book, there's an actual written letter that talks about how his mother is a phoner now because he saw her in a flock and to be careful if he sees her that he's not really her great little note great note by a kid to leave for your father because it actually gives him some context and it's like hey don't be overcome by your emotions when you see no she's bad don't do it right they go to the city hall in the book and find another note saying he's going to cashwalk so they cut it down that's um, i'm okay with them cutting it down saying he's going to cashwalk there but John Cusack starts now looking through the house by himself and hears something upstairs. The fucking wife is locked in with a red hoodie, so it's supposed to look like the Raggedy Man, I guess. And he can't fight her by himself somehow. Tom shows up and starts fighting her, but can't fight her somehow by himself. So then they both have to beat her, and then Tom fucking shoots (laughs) shoots her a couple times. And then goes, oh wait, that was your wife? Right. And John Cusack could give no fucks, did not care whatsoever that that was his wife that he loved and wanted to get back together, or at least acted like it did not matter to him whatsoever. Right. Let's let's try and let's try and get back on get back on track here. So in the book, they go from there. Then they meet the people. Now okay. they condense the amount of people that they met. Uh, it was more than it was more than two. It was like four, I think, three or four, somewhere around there. But they basically okay. combined the girl with another guy, basically, character-wise, which is fine. Like, who gives a shit? That's that's whatever. Now, the guy was not a person who was staying up all the time. And, meth. Yeah, and acting like he was on meth. That was not the characters in the book at, at okay. all. At all. Now, he was a construction worker who knew Dynamite. That was okay. one of the guys for sure. So that's that's at least something they got right. They did not have a phoner brother who they were keeping to tell them when the flock was coming. Or, or they had something similar to that, but when Tom killed it, it didn't matter. Okay. Like it, No one would have given a shit. He just killed it and it was like, okay, whatever. I'm trying to put all these things together. So what happens in the book that's meaningful is these people who they meet, these, the, these mass holes, let's call them, from, from Havrel from Havril and uh they said someone it, they're they're all from Havril in the book I believe. I don't know why right. they added an extra town to the movie. Right. It didn't really make any sense. But <laughs> these people go, "Hey, we have something to show you from the Raggedy Man because or from they call him the president of Harvard. This is the first time in the movie and the last time you hear them go president of the internet or whatever. I think maybe okay. twice they say it. I think so, yeah. But they go, "Hey, there's a gift for you." from them they've been they showed us where to go and they said as soon as we meet up that we're supposed to show you this and the girl's like i don't need to see it again it's too disgusting i once is enough so you're like what could this be like this sounds interesting well kelly i'm gonna ask you actually what do you think they are going to be shown 
what's left of Alice. I have no idea. No, no, Alice has been buried. Basically, they okay. bur- they buried the headmaster and they buried Alice. Like they didn't just leave them the way they did okay. in, in the movie. They actually buried them because they were people they cared about. So they actually have a house that is missing one of the sides or something. And inside that house is the naked and crucified with railroad spikes, the two frat boys who killed Alice. So Interesting. So, Sammy was Alice related. Well, it was. Yeah, you, you were on track, <laughs> yes. The, the, the guys were psychically or telepathically made to the, the guy who I think didn't throw the brick, the cinder block or whatever, was made to physically crucify with railroad spikes the guy who did throw the cinder block and then cut his own throat with a glass uh, with a glass shard and they were just left there as a sign almost like a almost like a uh, what do you call it like a not a thank you but a, a gift to them to show them hey we're reasonable people we did not we wanted to kill Alice we wanted to make Alice an example we told people not to do that and this is what you get when you don't listen to us right which is pretty fucking badass yeah like that's that that made some sense that made sense and now that also makes sense by the way and we'll we'll talk about a second shit i i want to get to everything we have (sighs) (laughs) but the the whole book and movie thing the timeline screws up oh yeah yeah so in the movie they meet and dan i think or ray sorry ray is all jumpity and fidgety and everything because he hasn't yeah, been sleeping. He comes up like a method. Yeah, I've been up for four days and blah, blah. blah. I'm like, oh, you'd be dead, but right. okay. But he's got a bomb strapped to him and he stops the van like in the middle. They're driving like an ice cream truck. Right. And, yeah, and the, he drops it. But in the book, it's a school bus, of course, because it makes sense to be a school bus, not an ice cream truck. So in the movie, it's an ice cream truck. He just stops in the middle of the road and leaves up into just, the woods and, right and the the girl like smiles like she knows what this is about but no one everyone else is just like there and then he nods for clay to follow him up right so he now now clay and everyone's just like okay i guess this is fine like right yeah it's, so it's walk into the woods with this clearly crazy person right right goes up there and tom's kind of like or sorry clay's like oh you you're making a lot of sense like and he's just like rambling going like i i thought i was the guy but you're the guy and i i i, I the president of the internet can read our minds and blah blah, blah. He's, and he takes out a phone and he gives it to him it's got a number attached to it and he gives it he's like i hope i hope you know i hope i hope i hope you know when to use it right and uh clay's like okay i guess i keep on saying tom and clay like simultaneously but yeah. in the movie it doesn't matter because they're not different characters basically they're both stupid right so he takes it and then he's like what do you have around your chest what do you have around your neck and he's like you got to get away from here you got to get away from here i hope you know when to do it and he blows himself up no one in the ice cream truck seems to care whatsoever no, no one asks tom what the deal is right or asks clay what the deal is no one tom does not go like what the fuck happened like fuck so it's not like you wouldn't hear that right and then also it didn't look like denise like the girl actually knew what was going on even though she smiled before they left like she didn't know what's what's going on so right. in the in the movie then they make it to the house the shit happens with the wife with sharon clay goes i have to go i have to go to cashwalk i have to find johnny and everyone's like that's dumb why why would you do that 
Yeah. Uh, that's uh, yeah. No. The, suicide mission. Yeah. Suicide mission. Why would why would you do that? But also, oh, it's so it's so fucking annoying. Clay is playing with the fucking phone in the house, and Tom comes in and goes, "What you got there?" And he goes, "Oh, this is the phone that Ray gave me." Before he blew his head off. Now that was funny to me because that is not the way you express that someone blew themselves up. When you say he blew his head off, that means gun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because in the fucking book, that's what he did. He wasn't a fucking crazy person that also strapped dynamite to his chest and decided to blow himself up. Because wouldn't that maybe, if everyone's fucking psychic, wouldn't that probably tip someone off that, oh, maybe this guy's good at explosives and this right. would tip him off for later? Because yeah, but it, they haven't really lined up in the movie that everybody's – like they haven't cemented that enough where you'd be like, oh, you know? Well, that's what they were saying. Basically, that was the whole point of why he was staying up. Was he's like he can get they can get to you in dreams they can get you in a dream and now and now they're yeah, but getting that's to not me convincing. in real life. Well, no, if you're watching, of course, it's fucking terrible. It's terrible writing, and that's what scares me that Stephen King was part of this screenplay writing. That's it's scary. Yeah. So, so in the book, Ray blows his brains out, which makes more sense in the fucking whatever. So I think they I think they had planned probably to do that, but then decided oh maybe it'd be cooler if he blew himself up. So then John Cusack's line is is incorrect when he says you know before he was like he told me you know what to do so of course clay uh sorry tom damn it i actually just call him uh samuel jackson john cusack yeah. yeah sam jackson goes out to the fucking truck and goes hey look at all this fucking c4 in the ice cream tray because no one would have looked there ever right while you're traveling right. don't you think jordan would have been like i would love an ice cream right maybe i check for that shit now the whole plan that they were trying to keep secret. That was what that was the reason why Ray killed himself was to keep the plan secret. Instead, now every single person knows what the cell phone does and what will happen to the truck, which ruins the plan because since they're supposed to be telepathic and can read minds and do all these things, now they can't hide that right in their head, which ruins the entire entire thing, but somehow in the movie John Cusack still says, I'm going to Kashwak with this truck and this bomb and because I got to find Johnny. I got to know either way. Sam Jackson goes, you're dumb. You should not do that, but I'll let you go anyways. And Jordan says, you're going to die. And Denise doesn't say shit because she hasn't been developed as a character. So who gives a shit about her? Right. He tells, uh, John Cusack tells him, okay, make your way to Canada. And I want you to spray paint the uh, J... D T or J T D, you know, Jordan, Jordan, Denise, and and Tom. And he in the movie, and I this this clicked for me for some reason, he goes, always on the left. Every two miles or so, always on the left, because that's where I'm gonna be looking. And I remember asking Kelly, hey, just check on this for me, because even though I saw the movie three times, I was like, wait a second. In the book, he specifically says to do it on the right. He specifically says it. So why couldn't there be any continuity? Between the book and the movie. Out of all the random shit to change, why? Yeah, it's it's the same as calling Because we could. Yeah, they called them phone freaks in the movies too, but it's phone crazies and phoners in the book, so why not just do that? What's what's the difference? There's there's nothing. Is it because is crazy now a new C word that I'm not aware of? Are we not allowed to call people crazy because that's insensitive? But isn't freak? Isn't freak an insensitive term too? I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I gotta catch my breath. This movie pisses me off so much. 
So let me let me tell you now what happened in the book that made everything make more sense. So now the people that they meet, the the group have killed multiple flocks and they do kind of mention this in the movie, but they go into way more detail. So it's it's this guy Dan, Ray and Denise. I think those are the, so it's 3, there are 2 in the movie, okay? Now Dan Dan and Ray are very smart people. So they're not hicks from whatever they're trying to make it seem like in the movie. They're they're very all three of them are very smart people. They killed I think it's three flocks at the beginning, which is awesome. Now wow. they go in the book, hey guys, I know they they want you guys and they want us too, but fuck them. We're not going to be martyrs and we're not going to be made an example of. We're out of here. We were told to show you guys that thing, you know, that that gift for for Alice, but we are gone. So they split up. They leave. Everyone else is like, well, they're not. We have to go to Cashwalk. We have to. What they said, what they show in the book is though that the psychic powers and the telepathy is so powerful at this point with the with the phoners that they actually make Denise and they make Denise and Dan and Ray show up again later on down the road. They were like, they would not let us. We can't. We have to go with you. And that is why Ray kills himself and gives clay the phone and clay doesn't tell anybody there's no no one knows this except for clay so that's why he shoots himself is because he knows their powers are so good that if they show up this is their only chance he's definitely going to have his mind read and they're going to get fucked so he sacrifices himself it's completely different than what happens in the movie yeah because now as i just told you clay is going to ride in to the main area with the with the phoners knowing that there's a bomb inside the inside the ice cream truck right so now everyone can read his mind if they had established that but they tried to tried in quotation marks they tried to in the movie but it was terrible writing so it yeah. didn't really work so in the movie they they leave you don't see those characters again Nope, they're like, okay, cool, peace out. Yeah, it's just Clay. No heroics from Sam Jackson showing up and nothing. It's Clay goes on now. You see those characters not. Clay continues and on his way, which was a little bit of a nice touch, is they showed normies, they showed people that weren't phoners, trying to get to Cashwalk because that is their main goal is to get people to Cashwalk so they can turn them into phoners. Even though they've only, they haven't established that. We're just as smart viewers we know that that's what is happening but that is by the way the only thing you you don't see that anymore that's that's it in the book you see lines of thousands of people show up and in order to get into cashwalk you have to pick up a phone in order to go in so they know basically the people can't fight anymore because they're so powerful they're like oh well i guess we have to be a part of this like we're either going to kill each other or kill, kill ourselves, or we're going to be a part of this movement. Right. In the book, they make it that some phoners are starting to go actually crazy because the pulse has a defect in it. The pulse has a defect in it. It's called a worm. And that's why Jordan is so important later on in the book is because he and, and Dan and, and Ray, who you don't even really meet, they start talking about because you start to see phoners that are kind of glitching there's this whole like the evolution is kind of stalling which is cool because you realize the raggedy man doesn't have control over everybody right and he's trying to build this perfect society this evolving but there's something wrong with the pulse so people coming into cashwalk are getting a bad signal sometimes 
that's what also is interesting about the book is he already knows. John Cusack already knows that his son Johnny is already a phoner because in order to go into Cashwalk, which he's already there, he's right. already a phoner, but he's still going because he has to see him. Right. So that's all interesting stuff that has never, never talked about. Not in the touched movie. about at all. Not talked about at all. Oh, it's so annoying. So now you get to even way more bad CGI because John Cusack drives the ice cream truck with the bomb. And as they come up, there's a huge, mongous cell phone tower. In the book, that does not exist. It's actually a secret. They bring people there because there's not a cell phone tower. In right. the in the book, it's supposed to be their plan to make people think. But if you came over the hill, you'd see a giant cell phone tower and you probably wouldn't show up. Right, exactly. Not not in the fucking movie. And there's just thousands of these bad CGI people going around the uh, like going yeah, it, around the cell phone. Yeah, tower. And it comes off as like, and I can't remember where it is in Mecca and the name of the stone that they they do this. They do that type of a march around it because it's a it's an homage type of thing, and it's it's almost a religious. Um, uh, I can't remember what what it represents with the circling of the stone. That's what it reminded me of, and I was like, so is this some, supposed to be some weird? Because, I mean, we have none of this other, you know, preception of these things up until this point. Because, like I said, the movie comes off (laughs) as them being – like, there's none of this hierarchy. They don't give you any type of in-depth to these characters, this this type of swarm or whatever. So, that's that's how it looked to me. I'm like, okay, so this is some weird religious-based thing? Like, I don't know why – And it's not supposed to be. I mean, there's religion often played in a lot of Stephen King's books. But this is not really, I mean, it's more of an evolution of humankind type thing. Like, that's what the raggedy man and the hive mind is is trying for. But also, what was so fucking goofy and made me laugh out loud was they're not doing a cool walk around. They're doing this weird jog. Zombie walk. Zombie jog. It's zombie jog where their hands aren't moving and they're just at their sides and they're kind of bouncing along jogging. And it's like, guys, it would be creepier if that was just like... A slow, calculated walk. Right. But they can't even do that. Instead, they pay for weird CGI because you know they didn't have that many people to, to walk oh, around there. No. no. Yeah. But what was great was as John Cusack is trying to get to the center, he just starts going through them and they just bounce off his truck. Like he's not right. running them over. And then he's no. pointing his shotgun at them in the in the truck like they're going to try and come after him. But it's like, dude, you could have just run them over. Like why would you even bother? Right. but And it was so goofy that it just bounced off on like bumper cars. <laughs> it was pretty funny. So he makes it into the center. And right there is the Raggedy Man. Doesn't say anything. Says inaudible things. Just goes like. Rah, 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 rah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever the fuck. Like a messed up pulse or whatever. Right. And John Cusack just gets out of the ice cream truck. Well, actually, sorry. No, no. He sees him and he hits him. With the ice cream truck, he goes comically flying. Like, there was no way he had time to gas up and get any momentum that would actually hit him back 15 feet. But that's what happens. And then he gets out with the shotgun and just unloads, just empties it into him. Just empties it. And no one cares around him. No. No one cares. No one gives a shit. So now he's like, Johnny! Because you hear now Johnny's voice, like, going through all the dead. Because... Here's your here's your thing. Everyone said if it's a high mind, they made it seem like the raggedy man would be the president of the internet would be if you killed him, everything would stop. Everybody would drop. Obviously, that didn't happen. So no. now he's looking around for Johnny and he decides to run or jog against the current 
and they show that he drops the shotgun, but it was already empty, so that doesn't matter. Why, matter. why focus on that? And then he just keeps on trying to go through the people. I don't know what he was looking for because he's not looking for Johnny. That's not the way to find Johnny. And then he just gets pushed out of the circle, and then there's Johnny. And then Johnny starts making the fucking sound with his mouth, and then he hugs him, and then he looks over, and there's the raggedy man making the sound with his mouth. And then he flips open the phone, and he calls the number. Boom. There you go. Right. And you're like, oh, must be done with the movie. I guess they'll show a scene maybe of Sam Jackson and Jordan and Denise going right. in Canada. Whatever Finishing something. There. Right. No. So, Kelly, why don't you tell the... Why do you tell these people that are hopefully laughing along with us right now what the next scene in this movie is? Now, initially when I saw this, it came off as a dream sequence because that's the way it kind of it's kind of got that like hazy, fuzzy glow to it. And it's John Cusack and his son walking up or walking through the woods following these train tracks. And they're talking back and forth about how, you know, I hope you like my friends. And the son points out that there's another marker on the tree and that we'll be fine and we're on our way to Canada. And it kind of fades out from there and starts your song. So now I thought, so first, before I get to the awesome song, I thought that that was the ending that he changed. I was like, okay, it's terrible. Because it makes no sense that when they mentioned that the C4 in the back of that ice cream truck could take out blocks of of people. Yeah, that but I he, assume that this was they died and this oh, is like just going a dream. heaven. Like yeah, that's like where my heaven. mind went to. And that's yeah, yeah. whatever. Sure. That's fine. So then the song You'll Never Walk Alone comes on. And now I start singing instinctually because that's Liverpool's song. Right. And I sing that every week all the time. So I'm like, what the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. Like, it's a great song. But why are they doing that? They do it because the next fucking scene is going back to where everyone was zombie bouncing around in a circle. And there's John Cusack. Bouncing around as a phoner. Yeah, he's been turned. So not he wasn't with, able to yeah, blow everybody up. Not with his son. Yeah, just just right there. And then it fades and the song continues. So I'm just like, fine, I'll just continue singing. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on, but I obviously I, I watched the movie multiple times to, to see what was going on. And by the way, did you watch the credits and watch to the end? No. They play the fucking phoner thing at the end like they're trying to convert you. And I'm like, fuck you, bitches. So cheesy. Yeah, that's just, that's awful. That is, that is awful. I'm, I was like, oh, was this so that people don't rip apart your movie? Like, were you trying to, like, telepathically tell people this is a good movie? Yeah, but then you just go old school 50s and you splice in, like, it's okay to smoke every, like, three, like, clips. And then that just gets into your mind anyway. Or Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, it's for Fight Club. Just random porno. Yeah, just random porn. So... Now, here's my question to you, Kelly. When do you think John Cusack was turned into a phoner? Because that's obviously why they did the the ending this way, right? It's to make people go like Inception. Oh, oh, did did the did the top spin and, and fall or did it keep on? Oh, that's obviously what they were thinking of doing. I'm making fun of all those stupid people in the theater <laughs> when they saw Inception go, oh, like, oh, I don't know what it is. What, when do you think John Cusack turned into a phoner? Well, if you look at that cutaway scene where it does like the fade back, he makes, he drives the thing, he drives the ice cream truck to pretty much the cell tower. I'm assuming as soon as he hits the the 
president of the internet and then that's when he's turned like he never actually sees his son like i don't see that he ever sees his son okay yeah because he's not when he's in that circle he's not next to his son no either. yeah i though i would at least say because this movie's so stupid and so poorly written that they could actually be saying that he's been a phoner the entire time that everything that happened was just in was just a dream which is the way they kind of made it feel anyway, though. So that doesn't really surprise me that that's something that they're trying to push. Because yeah. it kind of had that, like, he's going to wake Like, it's like, this is going to be a horrible ending where you wake up and he's, you know, it's this was all a bad nightmare or something stupid like that. Yeah, it's, it's fucking dumb. It's just fucking dumb. I couldn't believe that that was the ending that Stephen King chose compared to the book ending. Yeah, that, that, that tested better than what the book ending was. Or did they not even do any testing? Like yeah, I'm he sure just, they didn't, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they did. So that that literally, guys, that is that is the end of the movie. The never you'll never walk alone is playing, and we're gonna end the show, by the way, with the version that's that's in the movie because I I just couldn't help it. That that's it. That that's the end of the of the movie. There. Now let me tell you how the book ended. Woohoo! You've got these these mass flock killers. These guys that need to be made made examples of show up at cashwalk they know there are all these people showing up at cashwalk and and turning into phoners they're being made to turn into phoners there's no actual cell phone tower there though so that's that's a big thing or people don't think there's a cell phone tower there so that's that's a little thing right there there's obviously not a huge cgi one (laughs) right that you can see from miles away right so they're realizing now more that this worm is making its way through a lot of the pulse people, a lot of the phoners. They're realizing right. this. And they're realizing that the Raggedy Man is kind of losing a little bit. Like he's losing focus on them because he's trying to deal with this stuff. But the whole point is, so they're locked in the casino. And they're all together, but the Raggedy Man is not paying as much attention to them as he should be. So I, I, now I can use the name. Clay looks out and notices that there's something different about the bus's back because they're in a bus and realizes, oh, the phone, there's an explosive in the back of that bus. Now, no one else knew about this. It wasn't hidden in the ice cream or whatever. It's in the back of the bus where no one can see. No one would stumble upon it. So he goes, oh, shit, tells everyone because realizes that even though they have mind, you know, reading capabilities, they're off dealing with this issue of the worm going through people so he makes they make a plan together they get the bus they go ahead and they drive it they make it so that the raggedy man is killed in the explosion of the bus so that that actually happens in the book okay they do kill a ton of phoners which they love they're they're big fan of killing phoners so it made sense like that that made sense so what's left over now because basically they find this uh they find a signal on the phone because that was the whole point was this wasn't supposed to be, but the casino secretly put in a little tower in the casino. And then once he gets the bars, he's able to go ahead and blow up the blow bus. Blow the bus. Yeah. So technically that's a happy that's a happy ending. They they all survived. Those last ones that survived. So Dan, Denise, Clay, Tom, and Jordan. They they all survived, which is great, right? Right. Now, in the book, this is where you might seem a little bit iffy, is Clay says I still need to find my son. He might he has one of the de- the defective pulses possibly 
everyone's pretty much defective now because that whole hive was mostly taken out. So pretty much everyone's defective. The pulse itself is going to start putting out a different code because it's constant. The code is now evolving as well. Right. Tom, who's pretty smart in the book, not in the movie, and Jordan and them are talking and they're like, well, maybe if you found your son, you would be able to give him a new pulse and that would erase his brain but maybe in time his memories his buried would memories back. would would recover and come back kind of like a computer does if you don't get everything you know like right. like that makes sense enough to me so okay. clay does his goodbyes he does do his goodbyes and he does say all right go ahead and write the you know the three name because there's a dan and there's a uh, Denise, so there's just one D, so it makes sense. Right. So he tells them, but that's when he says, do it on the right side. And the reason why they decide to go to Canada, which they never talk about in the movie, is because it's going to get fucking cold. And if they want the rest of the phoners to die, they're going to stay in the cold weather, watch them you know, freeze to death and die the way they've done in zombie movies before, right. and then move around. But Clay needs to find his son, so he works his way south back to his house, I believe, because that's where he thinks his son would go. And it turns out that is true, and he is basically like a timid dog, like a beaten dog, basically. That's the kind of, like, where his mind is. So he spends months and stuff, like, traveling with him, trying to get to Canada, trying to follow the the stuff with his basically brain-dead son. Right. And at the end just decides, I'm going to try this out. And puts the phone to his head, and that's the end. So oh, interesting. I don't think that's a bad ending to that book. Like, no. sure, it's happier than many Stephen King books where a lot of main people survived. Like, sure, you can say right. that it actually worked. Their main plan worked out pretty well. You can you can say that if you want to, but that's not a bad ending to that book. Like, no, you don't know you don't know for sure that the that Johnny gets better. You don't know any of that kind of stuff. You don't know if Clay ever finds Tom and them because maybe Tom and Jordan and Dan and Denise were killed by other phoners later on. You don't know right. that. I don't know why the ending needed to be changed because that was fine. Like There wasn't any problem with that for me anyways. I feel like it's too complicated. Because they didn't set the things up in the movie. Absolutely. But would those main scenes have been hard to do in the movie? Like I think you could have no, just... No, but it might have been a budget thing too. Well, that's what I had mentioned before. But then if you if it's a budget thing, then don't do it. Don't make a shit movie. Right. Because this this to me and I I will t- it's a good time to talk about it cuz that's the end of the movie. It it seems to me that this at least has been the worst movie we've ever done. I Yeah, obviously if we're doing like a comparison to the book, then yeah, I mean absolutely. No, I'm I mean, comparing this to other movies. Yeah, I'd go that far. I don't think we've done anything else where it was that much of a disappointment now mind you i didn't do batman superman but batman superman is a better movie than this and i don't and i don't say that lightly like sure you save 45 minutes or so by watching cell but cell had to me no redeeming qualities whatsoever at all yeah no that's true (sighs) i did something i don't normally do i i went on some reviews some early reviews that had seen it when they when it came out on vod and i read some comments so there are a lot of comments. I have written comments actually on the Cell Facebook page because it's so poorly done that I had to write some things. And I told people like, look out for the podcast and I will put a link for the podcast on the Cell. I've never done yes. this for any yeah, for any movie, but I will, I will put it uh, on the Cell one. Uh, but I was reading this review and there was a comment by a guy who goes, 
I think this reviewer blows. You shouldn't be putting personal opinions in a review. And Kelly, what did you say about that? Um, that's what a review is. You usually have a similar opinion to a reviewer you enjoy. So that's why if they're going to make themselves go through torturing themselves watching some shitty movie, you don't have to because you usually agree with them on most stuff. Because reviews is a personal opinion. Exactly. That didn't make much sense to me. And the guy who reviewed the movie, it seemed, had also read the book. So that also gives you some credibility that other people don't have from just watching this terrible movie. Now, the comment underneath that that agreed with said fellow that I just mentioned, I would like to read. I do not think this is a troll. I think this person actually believes this in the context that it was written because he wrote to many people. And it was always the same thing about the reviewer. He even talked to the reviewer. I think this guy's real. I don't think this is a troll. So here it is. And he's talking to the person who had written before him. Agree with you completely. Just finished watching this and I loved it. An almost perfect adaptation of the book. The film is well acted and powerful. As sad and hopeless as the book it's based on. I can't recommend this film highly enough and have no idea what film this critic saw. So I want to know what movie he saw. Well, he's talking to me apparently too right now because awesome. there is no way that this was any type of an adaptation. You could have put you could have slapped any name on this movie besides Cell and it wouldn't have been copyright infringement. There was nothing. You heard me talk about the book. The only thing that's similar is that a pulse went through the phones. That's it. There's there's nothing out character names. It's like it's like how bad I Am Legend was compared to the book. Yeah, that's true. Literally the only thing they took that was similar was the name of the book and the name of the main character. That is it. Nothing else is true in that book. Even the area they did the the book takes place in LA. The movie takes place in New York. New York. The dog is not with him. That is a side thing that's one of the saddest things I've ever read in my life. That book is so fucking badass. When he says, I am legend, you get chills because that's how good that book is. That movie is garbage. And I can't watch it because I went to see it in theaters when I was naive and dumb and didn't you know, care about what movies I was seeing. I saw it in theaters and I almost cried at the dog scene because they, they don't do it properly. But it's still a thing that happens, and I don't like it when dogs die. I could care right. less. In in the fucking movie, they were vamp, they were like uh, weird mutant zombie vampire things. In the book, they were vampires, but they were humans, so they didn't crawl around. They were they were the way like a Buffy vampire would be, where they're okay. vampires. They're vampires, but they can be in they can't be in the light. They can be in the dark, and they just talk to you because they used to be humans. Right. And they're like, fuck you, we're vampires, we want to eat you. And he's like, no. (laughs) They're not not these crawly, weird, elongated, skeleton creature things. Like, it it makes sense. Anyways, sidetrack. But these are the stupid... And I did read some comments of other people that really enjoyed the movie. And they could be paid people. They could be people trolling. But normally you can tell when someone's trolling. Like, you can... There's an inkling of, like, this is pretty humorous. Like that's that's good, right? This that did not seem to me like uh, like a troll comment. That seemed more to, legit. yeah, like a delusional person who needs to probably be locked up somewhere. I I don't know how you can read that book and think that it's anywhere near an ap- adaptation to that movie. I I don't see it. Hmm. So I think I covered <laughs> most of the points. 
Were there any funny things that we kind of that we missed? Because I I think I hope everyone laughed along with us on this one because I was of course I hate talking about Stephen King like this. I really do. It it hurts me to do it. But that's the point of the show is to try and have fun making fun of things that shouldn't be. Like this movie should not be a thing. No. How do you have these great actors in this movie and a great writer and you can't make this? Like this is why I'm afraid for Dark Tower. That's actually what I was going to pose to you. I mean, if this ends up being like a theme and Dark Tower is this bad, will it turn you off from Stephen King? No, it can't. It, it absolutely can't. I think I will be forever poisoned to his movies, but the books are just too good. Like, this does not ruin okay. the book for me. Nothing you no, do no, in no. a movie can okay, ruin so pretty the much book. what it will do is it will be like, you know what? I'll read his books. I will never watch his fucking movies, though. Yeah, so, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, okay. look. The like we said before, it wasn't an amazing movie. It was, it's a campy movie that you could easily make fun of now, but it, it's about the point of time that you saw this. Like, even as a little kid, if this was the first R-rated movie I ever saw, I don't think Cell would stick with me, where I was like, no. oh, man, this is an awesome movie, you know, like that. I don't think that happens, but it hits you at a time. The Stan miniseries is hilariously bad, but also good at the same time. Like, it's so campy, but that doesn't take away from the book for me. Like, Langoliers... Langoliers had better CGI in it than this movie did, and it was made in the fucking, like, early 90s. And it's about, have you seen the little mines that eat everything? <laughs> God. Do you know what Langoliers is, by the way? No. Langoliers is a, is a movie, is a Stephen King adaptation of, of a short story where a plane goes ahead and goes through a, like, a dimensional wormhole, like, a, a basic plane, like, a regular airliner. Okay. In the, in the fucking 90s or whatever, so people can smoke on the plane. Like, it's oh, all, yeah, that, yeah. all that kind of shit. They go through, like, a wormhole or something, like, and they end up basically back in time, but only a little bit back in time. So it's things like the 20s? Have, no, 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 like, minutes, like that. Like in a time where no one exists anymore. So they just basically go back like I, I forget what they exactly say it is, like how much time it is. But when they go through this thing, anyone, by the way, anyone who is awake is gone from the plane. So when they went through this wormhole, because these people don't exist in that plane of existence, like when you're sleeping, you're on a different plane of existence. They're basically right, saying. Right, right. So when they wake up, it's almost like the rapture. Like, the jewelry's still there, like, all that kind of stuff, but everyone's gone and no one knows. But the co-pilot was was asleep while the regular pilot was was awake. So he lands, and now they're looking around at this airport, and there's nothing. It's the air, the air is stale, and food doesn't taste. And they're like, what the fuck? And there's a crazy person in the movie. It's played by Bronson uh, Pinchette or whatever from uh, Perfect Strangers. Right. And he plays this awesome bad guy who's like i gotta get to my meeting how dare you kidnap me i have to get to my meeting and there's a there's a blind girl who seems to know more than she should and it feels just, very lost oh it is it is well lost ripped it off partially obviously, right obviously but what they find out is that and it's it's a story that that the bad guy's uh, father used because his father was abusive used to tell him he's like if you don't work hard and you don't do the langoliers will get you and what the Langoliers are is this made-up thing of creatures that basically eat the past. 
So, yeah, that's how fucked up this story is. And in the movie, they're like these big Pac-Man characters with these razor teeth, and they're just going along eating everything. (laughs) So basically what they're saying is like every second or whatever in the past is being eaten by these Langoliers. So Okay, so on that theory that time's not cyclical then yes oh absolutely yeah there's no going back like really in time there's no there's nothing going back because there won't be anything there for you that's what the langoliers is so this movie was campy and cheesy and the acting was terrible but you should see that movie because that movie is a million times better than so like just it's it's so it's so funny and the cast of characters they have are so stereotypical and there's the really smart science guy, and there's the teenagers who want to hook up, and there's, there's the actually there's an assassin. He used to be an assassin who was giving up his life of being an assassin to go like, it's fucking hilarious. Now I I forget the book because I read it so long ago, but the movie's not exactly like the book, you know, I, like it always isn't. But that movie though is a fun movie to watch. Storm of the Century miniseries. It's a fucking fun movie to watch. It's got the guy from Wings. And he's like, no, you can't have my kid. This is my... (laughs) Like, you're going to turn him into a demon? No, that's my kid. It's fucking great. But this movie is garbage. It's absolute garbage. Go watch Sometimes They Come Back. What a great campy movie that is. Where these greasers from the fucking 50s die. And then... They die in this horrific accident because they were bad guys, and they come back to torture the guy's daughter when he's older. It's great stuff. It's great stuff, but I just, uh, it's, uh. See, you can tell the passion I have for Stephen Absolutely. King Absolutely. Yeah. So, now I can't, I have to worry about everything. Like, the only gem that's been recent was 1408, and yeah. three-fourths of Mist. Three-fourths right. of the Mist. Of the, uh, <laughs> Three-fourths of the mist was good. The ending, if they had stopped it at the depressing part, would have been great. Like, that would have been the perfect ending to that movie for me. But that's a movie for a different time. That's a movie for a different time. Because I like that. I liked most of that movie. But those are it. That's why I do worry about Dark Tower. Because you've got two great actors in that. You've got Idris Elba and you've got Matthew McConaughey. Are they going to fuck it up like Sam Jackson and John and John Cusack did? I would hope not because there's a lot more money behind Dark oh, Tower. Yeah. But really, why why would I believe anything? Like, why would I think that that movie would do well or, or be good anyways? It'll do well, but I'm talking about actually be a good movie. Right. Anyway. <sighs> I know. You want to sing You'll Never Walk Alone? That always Goodness. me up. Yeah, no, no. I can't help you with that one. <laughs> All right. Is there anything we missed from this no. that you like to talk about. All right, there you go. All right, so uh, we've talked for two plus hours on a hour and forty long. Forty five. Well, yeah, but you had to throw in all your book stuff, like, and that helps explain. I think how people bad the movie is. Look, I think people will enjoy this one. I think we made this funny and really showed how bad the movie is. Like I said, I'm going to say this right now. I do do not watch this movie. No, you no, no. There is no anything. This is not a so bad it's good movie. This is not it. Do yeah, not. A, yeah, it's yeah. a waste of time. Yeah, there are a million other movies you can watch. Do not watch this movie. Kelly, is there any other movie news you want to make the announcement of the next movie we're doing? Um, I keep saying Super Troopers, and that's wrong. You really we do. are we are we are going to be covering Starship Troopers. Yes, and I think we're going to have Mandy back on the show too. Yay! 
Okay, good. Yep, because this will be I, – I wonder – I think this will be interesting because I've seen it hundreds of times probably. No, maybe not that much. Maybe like 50. 50 to 75 times probably. Kelly, you've seen it earlier. Maybe twice. Yeah, yeah you'll see it again. But you, saw <laughs> it when you, were, it again. you saw it when you were younger though. Yeah. Right. This will be Mandy's first time seeing it. So it will be interesting to see if it, sta- if it holds up. That's that's my interest because we talk about it a lot that a lot of movies don't hold up after time. I think yeah. this movie is campy enough and is so bad it's good with pretty good CGI too. It's Melrose space in, pla- in, in Melrose, space. Melrose space in place. Yes, one of those. <laughs> it's not late. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I'm fine. There you go. I love it. Well, then if if you are tired, we that's the announcement. We're doing Starship Troopers. We'll talk about other movies another time. So, Kelly, what are your plugs? You can always find me on Instagram at Nerdy Girl Ivy and, of course, on Facebook at Nerdy Girl Ivy. There you go. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. I forget if I mentioned that at the beginning. Welcome, new people, if you made it this far. (laughs) If you made it. Woo! Hopefully you did. Now Now you know what Ian Hates Movies is all about. Uh, so thank you for listening. Once again, please, uh, you'll have no idea how important this is. If you could take the time out and on iTunes, go ahead and rate us five stars. If you enjoy the show, please do that. Take your time. It really does help the show. Subscribe, rate, and share. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe on Stitcher, uh, Pocket Casts, uh, Google Play Music, all all your favorite podcast listening apps. Uh, please rate, subscribe, share. It really does help the show. Uh, you can also listen online, www.ianhates.com. You can download and stream the episodes. I did hear someone tell me recently, oh, I clicked the play button. It didn't play right away. They are two and a half hour long podcasts. They, they have to buffer, guys. Yeah, a little bit. It, it takes a little bit of time. So just don't worry about it. It's, everything should be fine. <laughs> if you don't understand the whole Ian Hates thing, there is now an about section. Please read. Yes. At the end of the front page, there is a whole section written about me that explains everything. So that way, no one can just be like, oh, that guy just hates everything. That's not yeah, the case. It's all hate speech. No. Yeah, no. Absolutely not. It's, no. it's quite the opposite. So go ahead and, and read through that. Also, I have a another podcast called Ian Hates Music. It's on the same site. It's on the same iTunes, Stitcher, all that kind of stuff. You can listen in there. I don't know. I'm not going to say it's an amazing interview. I have, to me, what I would call an amazing conversation with basically a hero in music of mine. Uh, Yes, I am super fanboy. And <laughs> even though I lo- yes. yeah, even though I love all the people that come on the show and I enjoy the conversations that I have with them, this one I have so much backstory that goes with it that you can tell in my voice. Like I was cringing while I was listening to myself because I was like, I can't believe I stuttered while talking to this <laughs> this guy. Uh, yeah, but he was he was so awesome. Uh, so it was great to talk to him. It's uh. For people that know the scene, know the music that I'm talking about, it's Sean. He is the lead singer and rhythm guitarist of the band Alice Santa. He is also he is the head of Revival Recordings, his own label, which has amazing bands. So he talks about all that kind of stuff besides the old stuff, also what's going on in the label and everything in between. So if you like music, if you like hearing that stuff, if you want to hear me just like fanboy it out listening then uh you can get all this stuff like i said in the same places 
Also, Ian Hates Love is starting soon. I have my first interview lined up. I have multiple interviews lined up for it. Yep, I think it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be about relationships. And you know, Ian knows so much about relationships, Mm. so this is going to be great. Just working down the formats, working out everything. Uh, But there are lots and lots of new surprises coming for everyone listening to these podcasts. Hopefully, you're enjoying it. I'm going to start calling them shows, though, because, yeah, I mean, look, the way you get in touch with me on Twitter and Instagram won't change because that's Ian Hates Podcast. That's how you can talk to me there. Uh, Gmail, it's ianhates at gmail.com. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash ianhates. You can get in touch with me all those places in the normal ways. But I like calling it a show now because is it a podcast anymore? They used to say that only when it was Apple. And it's no longer just Apple. So isn't it just a show? Yeah, because I mean, like, internet casting sounds lame. Yeah, so you why not just... shorter. Yeah, why not just call it a show? Hmm. Internet-based show. Yeah. So it's an iShow. Ooh. No, I don't like that. <laughs> Even though I stands for Ian. It's Ian's hey. show. Yeah. Hey. I got brand new business cards. I am, I am going to Warp Tour on Wednesday. So I will be, it might be one of the last times I ever get to go to Warp Tour. So I'm going to Warp Tour. And we have, like I said, we have Starship Troopers. So if you want to get in touch with us, that's how you do it. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, new people. Thank you, oldies. Much appreciated. Hopefully, you're enjoying everything. Uh, Kelly, do you have any final words? Nope. Technically, that is a, a final word. But So my plan now is to go ahead and we're going to leave with You'll Never Walk Alone from the movie Cell. So it's not the full song, uh, but we're going to definitely play that. And if anyone doesn't know, the quote I end every episode of every podcast is a Stephen King quote. I am still going to say it today because that's how much I love him. I'm going to say it. It's going to go to You'll Never Walk Alone, and then we'll talk to you soon. But here, I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone. Be afraid of the dark. Walk on.